This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome back, everybody, to Wrestling Omakase. It is episode number 118. This week, I have not one, not two, but three guests on uh, to discuss three shows. I guess that kind of worked out. I didn't do that on purpose, actually. Uh, But we're going to talk about three big Japanese wrestling shows from this past weekend. Uh, New Japan's Power Struggle Show, DT Ultimate Party, and Big Japan Ryogokutan. So joining me, first of all, is once again, Taylor. Hi, Taylor. Hi, how's it going? Good. What have you been up to in this, since like six, I talked to you nine days ago? Uh, I've been watching a lot of wrestling is what mm-hmm. I've been up to, as we'll find out in this episode. Yes. Uh, and you went to, you went to uh, what the fuck's it called, Kinokuniya today? And they did uh, not have the Hiromu issue? Correct. Yes. Very disappointing. They better have it by Friday, because that's where I'm going. Well, I'll keep looking. They'll have it at some point, but I don't know when. Um, of course, nobody listening probably knows what Kido Kuni is. It's a Japanese bookstore here in New York. So there you go. Uh, but yeah, that's about it, uh, I guess. <laughs> what else? Have you watched any anime lately, Taylor? Uh, I haven't. Have you, since we last discussed on the podcast, have, have you watched uh, Blood Plus? No, I have not watched Blood Plus. Well, how would you expect me to watch any anime if you want? <laughs> if you won't watch the classic anime Blood Plus, I think that since you last since we last talked about anime, I watched probably a million shows, but Blood Plus is not one of them. So, uh, there you shame. Go. Uh, also joining us this week is Thomas. Hello, Thomas. What's up, John? How you doing? What's up? When when were you last on? I should look this up first, but I didn't. Uh... It wasn't Peter Pan. Oh, it was the uh, the Kento Nomura All Japan match, and we did some mm. New Japan too, I think. So, what have you been up to since that time? That I don't <laughs> um, uh, nothing much. Yeah, got back into the swing of things. I had a little bit of a burnout uh, from wrestling, and I'm just getting back to the swing of things with this show. And I was doing some catch up uh, the past week, so that's been fun. I've watched you know an absurd amount of wrestling the past week, so good stuff. Yeah. Have you watched any anime lately, Thomas? That is a no, John. (laughs) (laughs) No. Okay. See, how am I going to have... The the people love the anime talk, but I never have any anime guests on, I guess. I have an anime guest on like a solid 60% of the time, John. Yeah, that is true. (laughs) But it hasn't been in a while, though. That's true. That's true. 
All right. So thank you for coming on. Uh, Jack. Hello, Jack. Hello. <laughs> say hi. Yes. Yeah, so what was the, your last uh, episode, say? That was the uh, draft in which I was robbed and the people did not appreciate my humor. Oh, you were on the draft? I don't even remember that. Yeah, I remember I was a last-minute replacement for Paul. <laughs> he was the emergency. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. That would explain why I don't remember it, I guess. I booked Fujita. Remember, booked is it all Fujita. coming back now? Did I win? How the fuck did I win that draft? I guess because I, I, I did the Joshi. I guess the Joshi. Yeah. I underestimated the popularity of Joshi, I guess. Well, you never should. Look, among the Jack, people who have- show... <laughs> Jack, didn't you have like Katsuhika Nakajima against Yoshihashi in a shoot fight on your card? I did. That was the opener. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. Okay. I had Brock Lesnar versus Antonio Honda. That's I didn't match. win. Yeah, maybe you did get yeah, robbed. If you want to, if you want to win, you got to book Joshi. You got to have half the so. here. Uh, but yeah, so Jack, have you watched any anime lately? Uh, I have not. Despite, uh, <laughs> telling myself that I'm going to get into anime once every week, I have yet to make the plunge into the depths of the anime sea. Is I don't know. So all all three of you should make it like a homework assignment to watch Madoka. That's my recommendation. It's what only is like this? 12, it's only like twelve episodes. Ooh. It's it's a very very pleasant show about magical girls. You'll love it. So watch Madoka and then get back to me. Uh, in the meantime, I guess we're here to talk about wrestling. I guess we just get right into it. By the way, the Omakase year-end award ballots went out today, so mm-hmm. all three of you got them. Uh, I sent them via Twitter DM to lots of people. I sent them to the Voice Wrestling account and made sure to t- say it was only for Rich, not for Joe. <laughs> Joe has not appeared on the show in this calendar year, so he was not going to ballot until he at least agrees to appear. Uh, he's, he's still got like two months, and I don't know what, what to say. He doesn't seem to care that much, though. So. But yes, it's, they want it to everybody. I, it, look, I you better believe I gave one to Kevin Kelly. So we'll see if <laughs> Kevin Kelly actually fills out a ballot. I can't wait to find out if, if Kevin Kelly fills out a ballot. I'm going to guess no, but I hope I wake up to an email one day that's like Kevin Kelly has filled out. Because I get like an email <laughs> notification. So I hope I get one that like Kevin Kelly has filled out a ballot. John, has anyone has anyone filled out a ballot yet? No. Okay. Yeah, I send them very early because it's like you know it's early. It's early November, but I just like right. to get it out of the yeah. way. But I mean, I filled out my ballot just to like test it. So right, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I can always change my pick since I run the fucking thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, like, so that's exciting. We're gonna be year in review season soon. We have basically two episodes left counting this one. Because this week is this ep- this week is obviously what the topics I just mentioned. Next week is a bunch more shows, and then I'm taking a week off because of Anime NYC. And then after that, we'll be starting the year interview series. That's so very exciting. But yeah, so it's almost that time of year again here in Omakase. And if you don't, if you weren't around last year for the year interview series, that's a fun trip. So definitely strap in for that, I guess. In the meantime, we're here to talk about three shows. Let's just get right into them since there's, you know, they're all, they're all very long. Uh, so we're going to start with New Japan Pro Wrestling Power Struggle, which took place on Sunday, November 3rd at the Osaka Prefectural Gym, the Idion Arena Osaka. It was a sellout of 5,558. Uh, not unexpected there. Uh, so with this show in Big Japan... 
I'm going to start with the main event and work our way down since uh, the undercards of both these shows were not exactly uh, thrilling stuff. So I figure we'll have little to say about them. Uh, with DDT, we'll, we'll, we will start at the bottom and go work our way up because the undercard in that show was actually pretty exciting. But first of all, uh, we begin here with the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. Jay White makes his first defense in 2740 with the Blade Runner to retain his title. Um, I want to start with you on this, Taylor, because I know you're not a big. I don't. I, maybe I'm getting this wrong, but you're not a huge Jay White fan, I think. Uh, I'm not. I've gone sort of throughout the year up and down on him. I was sort of big. Um, I was sort of high on him earlier in the year, and as the year has gone on, and he's gotten sort of more. I don't know if this is the right word, but more bullet club, I guess, with more interference and things like that. I've sort of fallen off uh, the the wagon. Yeah. So what did you think of this match, Taylor? Uh, I just, you know, I thought it was very average. I'm sort of, as I just mentioned, uh, sort of over the interference that seems to um, infect at sort of one new Japan wrestler at a time is the wrestler where all of their matches have the same interference. And now that's become Jay white, uh, which I don't like. Um, I get that, you know, he's a heel and that's, you know, how he's supposed to work, but that's not my kind of thing. So I just, you know, and the outcome was never in doubt, which is another thing that hurt it. So just wasn't really a match for me. Anything to add here, Jack? Yeah, I'd concur with Taylor on that one. I uh, I probably dislike Jay White more than he does. Um, Jay White's had a lot of matches this year I've enjoyed by themselves, but as a whole, watching him like the entire year has been sort of what has kept me from getting fully invested in this year in New Japan. And I just I also agree that I like his interference spots. Like it's just. I'm so sick of the shit and I would just love if he could just wrestle a straight match, but incorporate heel tactics into it without needing to do the exact same. Oh, here's the bullet club again. After I just watched 25 minutes and then we're just going to waste time with bullet club shit at the end. That's really my thoughts on it. I gave it like two and a half stars. Wow. You're a little harsh on it. What do you think, Tom's? Uh, pass. No. Um, (laughs) um, yeah, I, I don't know. I had no motivation to watch this match. This was like sitting uh, in an open tab on my browser a couple hours before we started to record this show. And I was like, ah, do I really, do I really want to watch this match? And it was like, it wasn't bad. It was just like, it was just there. Like, I think it went a little long. Um, the interference stuff was kind of annoying. I give it like, I don't, I don't know. I'd slap three and a quarter on it and call it a day. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Three and a quarter yeah, three and a quarter is the same rating I gave it. I mean, it wasn't bad by any, by any stretch, but I was disappointed quite a bit because uh, unlike everybody else on this podcast, apparently, I actually did feel like I was turning a corner with Jay White in a positive way where, you know, I thought the Ibushi G1 final was awesome. Uh, I thought the Naito match in Kobe was awesome. So, you know, we had two back-to-back, like, four-and-a-half-star matches with me. I might have gone four and a quarter on the Ibushi one, but it's not important. Two very strong matches. And, you know, I was kind of hoping he would keep the momentum going here. Um, And I don't think he did, really. I mean, there there are parts that I liked. uh, You know, uh, all the Shibata interaction and stuff I thought was good. But, like, 
the best thing of the match was a guy that wasn't actually in the match. So it's not saying a lot for the match itself. Uh, so I can't really, you know, see going higher than like three and a quarter. Um, you know, the finisher reversal spam they do, it, it looks smooth. It just probably went on a little bit too long. Um, and then all the bullshit started after Goto hit the GTR. So, you know, the stuff for Kenta and Shibata was good. Uh, maybe a little overbooked, but I got why they felt like they had to do it since, you know, it's probably setting up something with Kenta and Goto and Shibata for Wrestle Kingdom, whatever that may be. But, you know, it was it was fine. It was pretty good. It's about as strong as I can go on it. Um, but yeah, so that was the main event. And we're getting like the most negative thing out of the way, at least for me, on this show, because I thought the rest of the show was like really awesome. But this main event being a bit disappointing is what kept me from like really, like, because up until this point, you know, my feeling was like, if this main event delivers, like Power Struggle came out of nowhere to be like a show of the year contender. And obviously the main event did not deliver to that extent. So I can't, you know, can't go there. Um, after the match itself, there was a segment, you know, with the four of them. I think it's already, you probably have heard about this segment, you know, and if, even if you didn't watch the show, it's got a lot of talk. This is the only thing on the show I was spoiled on, um, you know, because I kept myself you know, completely, you know, uh, away from spoilers on anything else on the show. So I'd done a really good job avoiding them. Even, you know, rumors returned and everything. I was totally unspoiled. But I was I was spoiled on the fact that there was a segment here and that it wasn't good. <laughs> this is basically what I knew. And at first I was like, well, I don't really get what people are talking about because I was afraid, you know, being a huge Naito fan, you know, my big fear was like, okay, did Naito come off badly or did the crowd not pop for him? And when he comes out, so Jay White, like, takes the mic he challenges Okada and Ibushi because he's like, okay, I'm the IC champion. I'm going to face the the winner of you 2 on 1-5 and become double champ. And he calls them both out. And Naito comes out instead. The crowd goes nuts when Naito comes out. They cheer. You know, this is not a, a, a great crowd. And they cheer as loud as they cheered all night long. Or the, you know, I guess for Hiromu's return, the only thing they cheered louder. So they were, like, very into that. And, you know, when he tells Jay, you know, I'm going to need the IC belt back, they go crazy for that again. But then everything after that, it just falls off the rails. I mean, Okada comes out and, like, fucking buries the concept of doing this, this fucking double title match. And the, he does it in, like, a funny way. So the crowd basically agrees with him. And it just comes off very awkward. And I mean, before that, Abushi comes out and, like, gets very little reaction. And just, you know, he, felt, he feels like an afterthought in this whole thing, which is not obviously not good considering he's a G1 winner. And he's main eventing on 1-4. Um you know, his promo was very, like, stiff and wooden as his promos can, can be sometimes. It was just like, I, too, want to be double champion. Um, but, yeah, then Okada buries the whole concept of double titles, just fucking leaves in the middle of his promo. Like, the camera cuts away and then cuts back, and he's, like, already outside the ring leaving. And you're just like, what the fuck happened? And then Coda leaves, too. Uh, and then Jay White basically says, I want my confetti. I'm not going to fight you, Naito. Get out of my ring. And Naito just leaves, which is very weird. And the confetti happens, and the show ends on a weird downer of a note. So, not a great segment to end the show. Uh, and that's, you know, that definitely was a little bit of a problem here for double titles. I will say, I think people freaked out a little bit too much from this, this segment and acted like, you know, the entire concept of double champion would never be the same. And they did run the poll that Okada asked for. And, you know, the double title thing, like, it was just like, do you want a double title match at the Dome? And double title won like 15,000 to 9,000. So clearly like oh, the crowd reacting to Okada's promo 
was not like this fucking death knell for doing double title the way some people thought it was. Uh, do you guys have anything to add on this fucking weird ass segment? Anybody? I thought I don't. I thought Naito no. kind of he kind of covered. It. I thought Naito kind of came off as a geek with just like walking out of the ring. As uh, Jay White was like, "Hey, everyone, get out of the ring!" Like I thought that kind of made Naito come off poorly. Um, and uh, that's my only thing. I think the double title thing is going to end up working. Um, we'll see what the dome numbers do, especially the second night. Um, but I feel more confident than not that it ends up working out. I mean, pe- what people don't realize with the double titles and the attendance and stuff is like night two, you know, is ahead, uh, or night one is ahead of where last year's was. And night two was like right behind last year. So like if they managed to sell, you know, like 35,000 tickets on each night or like 39 and 35 or something, you know, they sold 70,000 tickets. I mean, I don't know how you can really say the double title thing was, wasn't a success. Wasn't a success. I mean, you could question if they need to do it. You can be like, I, I mean, my personal opinion is, and we had this out in the VW cycle today. I don't think if you just had done it with like Naito Okada one night for the heavyweight title and some other fucking match for the IC title on the other night, like, I don't know, Tanahashi and Jericho for IC for the IC or something, I think the other night would get fucking killed. Like, I think everybody would buy tickets for the one night and, and watch Okada Naito, and the other night would do, like, 25000 Whereas this way, you, you feel like you have to go to both nights to see the entire thing. You know, you go to the traditional date on one four. You see, you, if you're a Naito fan, you, you have to go see him beat fucking Jay White to get to, to the 1-5 main event. And then you already buy your ticket for 1-5 because if you're a Nitro fan, you think, you know, we'll get past Jay White and we'll be in that main event. But you don't know for sure. So you still have to go to both nights. I think I think it made a lot of sense the way they did it. Uh, I get why people don't like it. But I think it was a as good of a plan as any to sell tickets to two domes. So that's my thoughts on it. I don't know, Jack, do you have anything to add here? Anything real cool? Yeah, I generally agree with that. Um, it did come across to me how little Kota Ibushi seemed over compared to the rest of them. And that was... Uh, a little startling, but otherwise, I thought the angle was it was fine. And I'm into the double title idea. I think it'll add some juice to both nights. And it's New Japan mm-hmm. trying something different, which you sometimes don't see from them. So I think that's a little exciting. So I'm definitely excited to see how it's going to turn out. Uh, so if I had to say, by the way, one thing I think New Japan has fucked up during this build that they don't get a lot of, they have, I don't see anybody blaming them for, they should not have had Evil Pin Ibushi like twice in a row in those tag matches leading up to King of Pro Wrestling. I think that really hurt his momentum after the G1. He might feel like an afterthought no matter what. It just looked weird that he that Coda just got dropped by the fucking STF and pinned twice in a row like that. It just felt like the man had no momentum at all. But like I want to have one if you want them to win both those tag matches, like why not have Sonata roll up Okada? Like, you know, it's just a fucking flash pin. He beats people with flash pins anyway. I don't know. It was weird. But that's my one, my one complaint there. Um, but yeah, so that's the main event in the post-match segment. Let's move over to Will Osprey versus Bushi for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Title. Uh, why don't you start us off on this one, Thomas? What do you think of Osprey and Bushi? I was up and down on this match while I was watching it. Uh, you know, I, I was at one point kind of ready to come on and bury it. Uh, there was this point after. Uh, it was after one of the ref bumps, and Osprey's facial expressions just bugged the shit out of me. Like, I know you have the same complaints a lot of the times, John. It's just his facial expressions can come across really goofy 
um, a lot of the time. He actually did a really good job at not coming off goofy in the post-match segment. But uh, after the ref bump, I mean, I was just like, I was ready to come on and bury it. And then him and Bushi just went out and had like an incredible closing stretch and completely won me back over after what was a, a pretty good bulk of the match. Um, so yeah, I ended up enjoying it at the end, despite my complaints. But yeah, the the closing stretch was just was just killer, and I bought one of them bushy near falls, which like I would have never done or never expected myself to do coming in. So they won me over in that sense for sure. What well, was your star rating? My star rating, I went four <laughs> stars and one quarter. Oh, okay. Taylor, what did you think of Bushi and Mister William? Um, I liked it as well. I mean, I think the thing that's going to be talked about, you know, in the future, a lot of New Japan matches sort of blur together in my brain just because there's so many and there's so many that are great. So sometimes, you know, it's six months out and someone goes, oh, remember, you know, X versus Y. And I can't even think of a single thing uh, from the match. (laughs) But the missed uh, kiss sequence I think is going to be one of those things that people, you know, remember for a long time about this match. And I thought it was a really cool uh, sequence. I thought the match was, was uh, pretty great. Uh, I went the same. I went four and one quarter. Um, so yeah, I liked it. Uh, the, the kiss, the missed kiss of death thing. That's one of those spots. That's like, it's almost too stupid. But for some reason, it goes back around to being awesome. It's like it's right on the line. Like it, it could have been too stupid, but for some reason, it just works and was like really cool. Especially when he, I, I like that he blew the mist back in his face, and Bushi didn't really sell it because you know I mean he sold it to a degree, but then he recovered faster than other people would recover from from misting. And you could just in your head, you could just be like, well, he has a fucking mask on, <laughs> so the mask like protects him to a degree. So I thought that worked, you know, it was cool. Um, and then obviously, like uh, Tom was just saying, the closing stretch is really good. Uh, Jack, what did you think of Will and Bushi? Oh, I loved it a lot. It was definitely my match of the night for sure. The missed kiss stealing spot was, uh, I agree, it's a, a little goofy, but I think it worked in the end. And it ultimately be, ended up being something where I was like, oh, that's really clever. And then the MX near the end, uh, I almost bought that as the finish even though I was spoiled on the match. But I think they did a really good job selling it for both of them. And really the last five minutes of the match as a whole was just incredible. And what really vaulted it up to like a four and a half star match for me. And ultimately I think it's my favorite Bushi match of his that I've seen. And for Osprey, I mean, I have no shy opinion that I really enjoy his work probably more than any of you, but yeah, this was just another feather and his cap and, just a really great match all around. And like I said, it was my match of the night and really loved it. Yeah, it was also my match of the night. I was also four and a quarter. So we almost had uh, like unanimous, unanimity here, but Jack had to go and ruin it. But what are you going to do? Oh, that extra quarter star. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the Bushi I thought was awesome in this. I mean, everybody knows you, you don't need a fucking podcast to praise Will Ospreay. You got a million of them anyway. But Bushi I thought was fucking great. And he's a guy that I feel like never gets enough credit for coming up big in these kind of spots. Like, you know, he, he has a lot of these like shockingly great performances when, you know, when he's put in these kind of big spots. So, you know, I mean, there, there was like, he, he does not try. I'm not, he doesn't try very hard in multi-man tags. So I definitely get that complaint, 
But when you put him in these big singles matches, you can get like some shockingly good performances. Um, you know, there was one point where he uh, like countered the Stormbreaker into that like backslide, like and then like flip over thing he does the Bushi roll, which like that got like the biggest fucking reaction. Like Osaka apparently thought he was going to win the fucking junior weight title with a with a weird cradle because they went crazy for that. Um, and then again, when he hit that MX, the near fall, get the crowd like completely insane. Uh, you know, and then Osprey finally did counter another MX into a cutter in midair, which was really cool. And then we got the, he hit the hidden blade, the super Oz cutter off the corner and the Stormbreaker for the pin. Uh, so this is really good. Four and a quarter for me as well. Um, after that, of course, we got Hiromu Takahashi's return. Uh, I am not ashamed to come before man and God and say, I cried a little bit when Hiromu came out. I'm so happy. I was so happy that he finally came out. I was not spoiled. Uh, they did an amazing job, like teasing us, where it's like, you know, well gets the mic. He's like, oh, he, he gives the promo. Everybody knows he's gonna, he knew he was going to give if Roman was coming back, where he's like, oh, there's nobody left to challenge me. And but he starts to leave the ring because no one comes out. So you're like, okay, so Roman really going to come out. Then the lights go out, and then they air that time bomb thing from three years ago, and you know the the fucking timer comes up. And it has like you know the sixty-two days till to, to the Tokyo Dome, so it makes you think for like for a second when you're watching it, if you're not spoiled. You're like, oh, they're not. I mean, you're still relieved that Hiromu's coming back at all, but you're like, oh, he's not coming out tonight. They're just saying he's going to be at the dome, and then it cuts to that like cartoon bomb, and fucking Naru the the cat comes up on the screen. If you're watching the Japanese broadcast, like the female announcer just screams the cat's name, which is really which is really funny. Um, but yeah, and then the cat like lights the fuse and the cats all dance. And I know Joe Lanza wasn't thrilled about this, but I thought it was awesome and the crowd was going crazy. Um, but yeah, and then Hiromu comes out and it was, uh, you know, he gave the kind of fucking promo that only he can give. I mean, clearly who else can come out with two stuffed animals Give them each to one of the commentators. Moana Collection AT is like fucking crying as hard as I was. And he gets in the ring and like he gives this amazing promo about basically like making fun of the idea that he would work a safer style. Like that was incredible. And then like he takes all these bumps, he takes one of the guardrail, he takes a bunch in the ring and acts like he's dead. But then he does that, that neck bridge and the fucking Bray Wyatt like crab walk. And he asked for the mic while he's in the crab block. It was just incredible. Incredible. And and someone mentioned it before. I don't remember who. I'm sorry. That Will Ospreay didn't oversell this, which he really could have. And I was very scared he would. But he he managed to sell, like, you know, this man is crazy without, like, making a lot of Will Ospreay faces. So that was good. But, yeah, so we got the challenge for 1-4. They hugged. And an incredible segment ended. So uh, anybody got any thoughts on Hiromu's return? No. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. Uh, it was awesome. I, I was spoiled on, unfortunately, but it still made me like tear up a little. Just the pure screaming from the crowd—like you could hear multiple people screaming—and that was a really special moment. And ultimately, I don't know how anyone like they could, people can criticize Hiromu's goofy act or his cats or whatever, and it's whatever you could not like it. But to think that it's preventing him from getting over on a meaningful level, like I've seen some takes, is just fucking ridiculous. Because the crowd—they are so into everything Hiromu does. And, that does and it was so obvious during the segment it was probably one of my favorite segments i've seen in a long while probably since the shibata angle and 
Osprey and Takahashi has got to be probably my most anticipated match for the two nights in the Tokyo Dome. I mean, it sure adds a lot of hype. I mean, it's like another really, really major match. Um, anything to add here, Taylor? Uh, no, I think everything's been covered, at least uh, of my thoughts. Thomas? Yeah, I'm with Taylor there. Yep. Okay. So, very excited to have him back. Very happy. Um, I don't know what else to say there, but just it, it, the world is better to have Roman Takahashi <laughs> back, and I'm very happy. Uh, the third from the top, the never open weight title, Kenta and Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, Taylor, you can start us off. What do you think of Kenta and Ishii? Uh, I thought this match was really good. My only problem was it seemed like they got stuck sort of in like third gear, um, sort of part way in. Like I kept expecting it to escalate or go to the you know finishing sequence, and it felt like for a long time. It was just sort of in this land of okay, we're gonna, you know, be hitting each other, and we're gonna keep. To, and I was sort of like, is this match coming to an end? Like, what was happening? I didn't really understand. I mean, I still went four and a quarter, so it's not that I didn't like it, uh, but I just felt, you know, it started off really strongly. I was really excited, and then it sort of hit a peak, and couldn't get past that for a while until the very end. Uh, so that would be my one complaint, but as I said, four and a quarter. So I still really enjoyed it. Um, anything you want to add here, Jack? Yeah, I also enjoyed it, but uh, it never really hit that level I wanted it to hit. Considering the two guys, uh, I ended up going about four stars on it. And when you compare it in terms of a beefy two guys kidding and kicking and hurting each other very badly, uh, we're going to be talking about another match later that definitely filled more of what I want out of that type of match than this one did. But I, I still thought it was pretty good. I'm, like I said, I want four stars. And, but it's not a match I'll think about much after we finish this podcast. Uh, Thomas? I mean, y'all saying that, like, yeah, this was all right and going four stars and four and a quarter. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I thought it was really good. I went four stars. It was a lot of fun. Um, I like dudes, you know, hitting the shit out of each other. So, yeah, four stars for me, except I see that as a positive. Um, I also went four flat, and I also have to say it was a little, um, you know, what's it called? You know, it was a little um, disappointing for me because I just felt like they were on the path at um, Royal Quest to have a better match than a four-star match. Not that there's anything wrong with a fucking four-star match, but, like, you know, I just thought they were on the path to have a better match than that before, you know, Kenta got his bell rung. Um but, you know, other, after that, you know, I mean, it, other than that, I still thought it was a really good match. I mean, it just maybe there was like a couple things that took it down a little bit. Like, um, you know, Kenta's heat segment went on a little long and a little long. And, uh, you know, it just kind of felt like it wasn't as engaging as it could have been. But like, you know, once the issue started, like no selling his kicks and like fired back up at those throat chops. It was really cool. And then there was like a, another cool spot where Kenta like ca- countered the sliding forearm into the game over. Um, so, you know, there was, there was a bunch of stuff that was, you know, that game over was at, like, cross-face, like submission he does. But, yeah, I mean, there was some really cool stuff. I like that Kenta won it really definitively. You know, he hits to go to sleep. He was like, okay, that's not enough for me, actually. And he pulls down the knee pad, does another go to sleep, and just pins him. Um, you know, Ishii's kind of been in a spot lately where he's, like, getting guys ready for bigger matches. You know, he, he did that with Taichi at the end of the G1 where he was getting him ready for Naito. And, you know, and put him over strong and clean. 
And here he puts over Kenta strong clean because Kenta's got something at the dome, whether it's a match with Shibata or with Goto with Shibata's corner. I mean, that's a big match either way. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I can understand if you're an Ishii fan, you want to see him get pushed higher than this, but it's clearly a good use for him because, you know, he can always lose matches and he'll always still be over. So, but yeah, really good match. Four stars flat for me. Uh, and we'll see where Kenta goes from here for the dome. Um, match number six for the evening was the Super Junior Tag League Finals for Pungi 3K against Desperado and Kanemaru. Uh, you can start us off here, Thomas. What do you think of the Super Junior Tag League Finals? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to end up being an outlier here. I just never really got into it. Um, it was a good match. Uh, I would say probably like three and a quarter, three and a half stars. Um, but it left me wanting more. I feel like it could have maybe used a little bit more time to hit that next gear. Um, so yeah, maybe slightly disappointed, maybe a victim of expectations to, in some respects. Cause I feel like I got talked up a little bit, but yeah, I'd say like three and a half for me, a uh, pretty solid match. Um, yeah. Uh, what do you think Taylor? Well, I'll say Thomas is not the outlier, out liar. Because uh, I felt just about the same way. I was at about three and a half. Uh, you know, didn't dislike it, but didn't really have that many strong feelings about it. Um, thought it was, you know, fairly fine. I do worry sometimes about Rapongi 3K, who seem to win the titles. They defend them once or twice. They lose the titles. They go down to the bottom. And then they seemingly just come up to the top, win the titles again. Lose. It just seems to be this sort of you know, bouncing pattern where they never really hold the titles for that long, but they're never really ever out of the title picture for that long. So it's a bit strange uh, in terms of what really they're trying to do with them and, you know, how soon if they want to break them up. Uh, So I guess that's my only, you know, my only question is, you know, for Pongi 3K wins them back at the dome, which maybe they don't, you know, what, do they just hold them for a couple more defenses and then drop them early in the year again? Or do they finally get a longer uh, title reign with them? I think my feeling on this is I think the next reign is it for them. Like, I think they're going to go to singles. Yeah. I think they're going to go to junior singles after this. Like, I think like this, you know, three years in a row winning the junior tag league, you know, you've gone about, you've done about as much as you can do here. You know, at this point, maybe they get their maybe this next one is like a longer one. Maybe they hold them like through June or something, which will be really long compared to their other reigns. But like, I think after that, like once you start to get to next year at the dome, you want to have them transitioning to something to like, you know, being more junior single stars. But I, mean, I think the transition will really start to happen in the best of the super junior this year. But I guess we'll see either way. Like, I think someone someone might turn on somebody, or you know, who knows? But um, you know, I, I think in past experience, like, I don't remember how long Team No Limit was together, but No Limit was weird because they went, they were a junior tag team and they went to heavyweight tag and then they went to, you know, heavyweight singles. And, you know, that's, that's like another recent example of like a two native star junior tag team. I don't think that will happen with Punky 3K. I think they will go from junior tag team to junior singles just because the, you know, the heavyweight division seems so much more stacked than junior division right now. But... Who knows? It could be a, the same thing as No Limit. They could move up to heavyweight tag next. Uh, no Limit, by the way, is was Naito and Yujiro, because I just realized in my head there, there's a lot of people who probably don't know that. Uh, Jack, do you have any thoughts on this match, or I guess for Bungie 3K's future? 
uh, on the match, uh, I'd say Thomas isn't the outlier. In fact, I'd say that opinion's the majority because I also didn't really care for the match. Probably about three and a quarter. I don't really remember much from it. So it was, it was a fine match. And on Rapungi 3K's future, I'd agree with this, the thought that next their next run is their last run for sure. I think that by the end of next year that they are fully like broken up and in single singles because I think that's the path they would go as singles. And me personally, I think Show is the star, and that Yo is sort of like a mid upper mid card guy. But yeah, I guess we'll see because it's going to happen sooner rather than later. See, I I have heard that a lot. I sort of disagree. I think Yo has a lot more potential than people give him credit. For. For but I guess we'll say. I mean, look, show would people always forget what show is he really struggles to cut a promo. I mean, yo is not like the best promo, but like he has a lot more, you know, he has more mic skills than show does. And I don't know about in ring charisma. Yeah, I mean, yo, there's a bigger connection with yo than people realize, I think. So I think yo is not that show won't be a star, I think show, you know, will be a star, but I want to stick up for yo a little bit because I think he's, I think there's more potential there than people give him credit for. But uh, as far as the match itself, I guess I'm the fucking outlier because I thought this match was awesome. <laughs> uh, I went four stars on it. Um, you know, I like that they start about the attack on the ramp and you know, they leave show laying dead there uh, and they work, you know, they work over shows back forever. But I thought, I thought the selling was really good. Uh, the spot where like Kanemaru like spit the whiskey in his face while Desperado had him in the numero dose, you know, that submission like stretch muffler thing he does. That was fucking awesome. And then there was just a really good closing stretch that really put it over the top. Uh, if I have any complaint here, like the maybe the last 3K and Desperado felt a little out of nowhere, but I, I still thought it was an awesome match. I went four stars on it. Um, it, it the one thing I will say, it's kind of ridiculous that Marty Osami just calls for the fucking bell with show yelling, you know, like laying there on the ramp. <laughs> like they just attacked them two on, you know, like before the bell, left this man to die. And now you're just like, okay, well, I guess you're fighting them one on two, sir. I ring the bell. Like, what the fuck? What is that, Marty? Like, wait for a show to at least be in the ring. Anyway, Marty Asami needs to be stopped. Um, and speaking of people need to be stopped, EOP and Ishimori laid them out at the end, you know, and left them laying and took the trophies. Uh, do we have any fucking ELP defenders on this podcast? Because I just want to say right now, I'm so fucking sick of that man. Uh, I know it's like he's been getting praised a bunch on, like, the flagship lately and stuff and people saying his thing with Osprey was good or whatever. But, like, I don't think he gets enough, you know, his in-ring is whatever. I don't think he's great. I don't think he's terrible. I think he's just kind of there for me. His fucking promos. Like, if you watch those backstage promos every time, he is a bad promo. He does not have, like, a good heel cadence. He just sounds like an annoying little bitch. And, like, I don't mean that in, like, a good heel way. He's like, fucking go away heat with me. Like, I need to start, I need to start fucking skipping his promos. Because it's like, I don't know. Like, He's just probably my most hated act in New Japan right now. Like, I really hope Rapunky 3K just fucking kick his ass to the dome, which is probably good. That's what they want. But I, I want them to kick his ass. I want him to go away forever because <laughs> I'm so fucking sick of him. I don't know. Anyone want to stick up for ELP? Yeah, I don't know. I think he's like, I think his in ring's fine. His character, I can either take it or leave it. I don't hate him as much as I do like a guy like Jay White in terms of wanting them to get beat and go away. But uh, uh, that's. The best ringing endorsement I can give him is that eh, he's fine and inoffensive, except for that one time earlier this year. Kind of Jay, I, I, Jay White at least is a really good promo. Like Jay White's promos are awesome. So yeah. even if you don't like his in ring, 
I think his promos are great. Whereas ELP, I mean, I, I welcome this comparison. Yeah, Jay, White, Jay White's promos are great. ELP's promos are fucking terrible. In ring, you know, I think Jay White's a lot better than ELP, but even if you think they're like whatever, they're both whatever, or even ELP's better, I think Jay White just destroys them on promos. I don't know. Any other ELP thoughts before I move on? I'd agree he there. Sucks. What'd you say? He's, I mean, at, the dude has go away heat with me. Like, yeah. that Osprey match that's getting hype, I just, I was like two and three quarters on that, man. Yeah, I was like three and a half, three and a quarter or something. I don't know. Wasn't good. Taylor, you've been quiet on the ELP subject. I I will never defend ELP. <laughs> <laughs> no one, no ELP defenders here. All right, so match number five: Naito and Taichi. Uh, I might be on an island on this one based on what like a lot of the grapple ratings and stuff have been. I thought this was fucking awesome. Uh, you know, Naito charges down the ramp. He fucking takes the suit off before he even gets to the ring to show how serious he is. He's no, there's no fucking. Slow undressing. Um, they start with like a fucking slug fest. They shove the ref down. They go to the floor and like brawl all, all over the fucking crowd. You know, after all that complaining people did about, you know, Suzuki and Liger last month at King of Pro Wrestling and how they had that build, but they said they were going to kill each other and then they didn't kill each other at all at the start. I thought this would get praised a lot more where they, they the entire month, all they did was say they were going to kill each other. So they came out and tried to kill each other. I mean, they just beat the shit out of each other. So I thought that was awesome. Um, you know, Taichi at one point counters his top rope Rana from Naito and does this gigantic super power bomb, and Naito sells it like he's dead. Um, you know, and Taichi really gets to look like, a, look like a badass here. He just completely no sells Naito's strikes. Uh, he drops on his head with a backdrop. He dodges the Naito flying forearm, drops on his head with another backdrop, and then you know I couldn't believe it was only the ten minute mark at this point. We've already seen all these huge bombs and everything. And then the finish I thought was awesome too, where Taichi, you know, Naito hits the running Destino to take back control, but Taichi kicks out because everybody kicks out of that move. Uh, then Taichi reverses the real Destino into a Black Mephisto attempt. It's blocked by Naito. He hits the Black Mephisto on Taichi, which like shocked the crowd. Like you can hear the crowd like audibly react because Naito never really does that fucking finisher death thing. And then he hits the Destino for the pin. You know, only went about 13 minutes. I thought it was an awesome fucking sprint. Uh, I went four and a quarter on it. Don't care if you think it, otherwise. You can come fight me. Um, actually, I just realized someone on here went even higher. So I guess we'll get to that. But four and a quarter, I thought it was their second best match right behind the uh, new beginning in Sapporo match uh, and better than the G1 match. So Taylor, you liked this even more than I did. I, just I did. I went four and three quarters. <laughs> Ooh, let's go. Uh, I just thought it was great. It's exact, you know, as you said, it's it was quick. It was only 13 minutes, um, which I feel like sometimes people say, you know, oh, it's a drawback because it wasn't, you know, a huge epic um, match. But, you know, sometimes in this company where the matches seem to be getting longer and longer and not shorter and shorter, uh, I'm a I'm a big fan of matches where they go out and go 100% for 13 minutes and then get out of you know get out of the way. Um, big fan of people dropping each other on their heads and kicking each other in the face. So that's really my <laughs> that's really my thing. And I thought it was great and I loved it. Well, that's all I need to say. So is it on your match of the year list or anything? Well, no, but also I don't include New Japan on my match of the year list. Oh, uh, I forgot you do that. Um, 
Thank you I don't know if it would be. I would have to look through my list. I think it would either be, it would either be on the list or it would be close. Okay. Um, what do you think here, Jack? Give me your thoughts. So you're the one that I think is most likely to hate it. So. Oh no, I liked it. See, Tai Chi normally doesn't land with me. Naito, I usually like. Uh, but the match as a whole, the crowd brawling sort of was. A, I was like, eh, I don't know what everyone's talking about. But once they got back in the ring and this is a bunch of head drops and stuff and the hot fin- this finisher trading, I'm, I really enjoyed that part of the match. And Probably one of my more favorite Tai Chi matches of the year behind the Ishii match for sure. But I went I went four stars on it, so I, I hated it compared to Taylor. But overall, I thought it was a really <laughs> good match. And uh, considering I needed to watch uh, three shows over a course of like 48 hours, uh, I definitely appreciated that it didn't go a uh, an interminably long 30 minutes like the main event. So, yeah. Plus all around. What did you think of this one, Thomas? Really fun sprint. Uh, I ended up going four stars. I think it was probably my least favorite of their three matches this year, although um, I enjoyed all three. So, I mean, that's not a bad thing. Um, so, yeah, fun sprint. It left me wanting more in some respects, which is in some ways refreshing because I feel like New Japan sometimes does the opposite. Um, <laughs> but I guess I'm impossible to please in that way. Um, but yeah, excuse me. Yeah, for the f- four stars flat for me. Uh, really fun sprint. All right, so we're all in agreement. I was worried there's gonna be somebody like I know Rich at the flagship, like give it three and a quarter or something. So I was afraid someone's gonna like hot take us or something. Uh, but yeah, so that's all the major matches. Uh, the undercard stuff, uh, match four is Okada and Yoshihashi against Ibushi and Tanahashi. Um, you know, I'm just gonna like ask, I guess, if anyone has any thoughts on. Any of these matches? Does anyone want to throw anything about this match? Okay, go ahead, fellow Jister. Jericho video was cool, I guess. I don't know why Thomas like says it said he wanted to speak, but he's still muted. So I don't know if he can't unmute himself or something, but that is weird. Oh no, that was uh... silence. <laughs> no, that was a oh, mis- sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no. Um, I had everything okay. on the undercard, three stars to three and a quarter sort of range. Fun little undercard. Um, I like the Yoshihashi Hope spot in this match. That was that was kind of cute. <laughs> Yoshi was really bad in this match. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> I mean, they used really what fucking killed it. <laughs> he worked like he worked a lot of it, and you know, it was very it was very dull. I mean, like you know, what am I? I I, I like Yoshihashi like as a human being. He he seems like a very nice guy, but he's not a very good professional wrestler. Uh, I just don't like his face. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I gave the three stars. It was it was fine. I mean, the end part where like um, Okada's like, "Get him, Yoshi!" It's like that's almost too stupid. Like, Yoshi's not paying Tanahashi. You know, it wasn't. It was, nobody was going to buy that. But um, you know, it just didn't really work for me. Uh, you know, that was probably the most exciting part of the match for those who attended there. So three stars. You know, mostly because I thought the Okada and Bushi exchange at the start had good energy, which you know was a good sign because it's. Dude has not had good energy at all so far. And then, yeah, we got the Jericho video where he beat up some California indie guys and challenged Tanahashi for 1-5. That was amazing. And the one the one thing that was hilarious was, like, Tanahashi's reaction where, like, Jericho's like, I'm going to fucking kill you. I'm going to end your career. And Tanahashi's like, I'm free on January 5th. Yay! <laughs> like, he's all happy. And he goes backstage and fucking sings a song <laughs> about, about uh, what the fuck is the song about now? I don't remember. You remember what Tanahashi's song is about? 
there's something about love. I don't even, I don't even remember, but he, he was so fucking happy to, to have this challenge. So yeah, that was funny, but there you go. January 5th, Tanahashi and Jericho, uh, Matt three, Sonata, evil Shingo against, uh, Suzuki, Zach and Archer. Uh, the only thing I know to have here is Shingo and Suzuki had a strike exchange. That was the highlight. And Sonata got another flash pin over Zach, which I thought was setting up a title match for like fucking San Jose or something. And it's actually setting up a title match in fucking Rev Pro. Who gives a shit? Why why do I give a shit? I watch fucking Rev Pro. So anyway, uh, that was disappointing. But Archer did challenge Finley on the mic here for US title match in San Jose. If anyone wants to say something, speak now or hold your peace. Okay. Shingo uh Shingo against Suzuki at Wrestle Kingdom. You know, if, if we get that match, I'll be a very happy man. Okay. <laughs> uh match two, issue more in ELP against Rocky and Eagles. Uh, this was all right. I went like two and three quarters. A little slow early. The crowd took a while to get into it, but a decent closing stretch. Uh, nothing really to add here, I guess, unless anyone wants to throw something in. And the opener, Volador, Teton, TJP, and Clark Connors uh, beat the team of Liger, Taguchi, Tiger Mask, and Uemura. Uh, TJP, TJP and Uemura. And five forty three, the detonation kick. This was fine, you know, three and a quarters. Actually, this is pretty fun while it lasted. It was like all action, but you know, nothing too special. Yeah, I enjoyed this a lot. Probably one like three and a half on it. Okay, so overall, power struggle. I would call this a really good show, better than King of Pro Wrestling. So probably the best thing they've done since the G one. Um, I, I, this is where like I'm really confused by people being like, oh. The post G one time is so awful every year. I thought this huge was pretty good. I mean, Destruction Kobe had a really awesome main event. King of Four Wrestling had a bunch of good, bunch of really good stuff, and this show was really good on the kind of boring main event. So I don't know. I think the post G one in New Japan this year was actually pretty good. That's my hot take. And I don't want to. I don't. I don't think that's that crazy of a take. I think in ring it's actually been really good. Um, but for some reason, I've really struggled to get into it. Um, well, because everything's very predictable. So right, exactly, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I think that's that's definitely part of it. Um, but yeah, I think in-ring-wise, at the very least, it's very good. I think New Japan, in-ring, if you're looking strictly in-ring, I think they've kind of lapped the field this year in terms of quality. Um, but at the same time, I don't really feel excited to watch a lot of their shows uh, as of late. So it's this weird dichotomy in my mind of like, I know the matches are going to be good when I watch them, but part of me is like, oh, do I really want to watch this? Because everything feels, I don't know, the booking has felt predictable um, to some extent since the G1, uh, especially. And I, I'm probably not giving them enough credit for the first half of the year. It's recency bias creeping in, but uh, that's that's my hot take is that, well, New Japan, I think still in ring wise is my favorite promotion in the world. They're like very quickly slipping in terms of like, my actual interest in sitting down and watching one of their shows, which is odd. Here's here's my answer to that. I agree to a degree with the booking and stuff like that, but Wrestle Kingdom, I'm now very excited and I can't wait to see it. So that's good. And like, it actually feels terrible. I have to wait two months to see all that stuff. And if it goes with like Naito winning both belts or Ibushi winning both belts, like I have no fucking clue where they're going at that point. Like as long as they pick one of those two results, as long as it's not fucking Okada winning again, I mean, I don't even think Jay White's a possibility, so I'm not really including that. But as long as it's not Okada winning again and being on top, which is, you know, very played out at this point, as long as it's Naito or Ibushi, 
there's a million different ways they could go, and I have no idea where they're going. So that's very exciting. So I don't know anything to add about power struggle or any of these topics. Not for me. Yeah, I, will, I agree with what Thomas was saying. Um, like general New, New Japan malaise. Of this was definitely a show I was least excited to watch out of the three that we watched for the show. But at the end of the day, I'd say it's like a a solid seven or eight in terms of show. Like it's a four star show or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, it was it was a good show. I would give it like a nine. Okay. I mean, I thought it was a really awesome show. Maybe eight and a half, but it was a really really good show. If that fucking main event delivered, it would have been like a 10. But, I mean, between all those four-star matches and then... I agree with I uh, agree that if the main event delivered, then I just like hate it. Yeah, and then like Hiromu returning, which is like, not just my fa- favorite moment of the year, maybe my fa- one of my favorite moments ever. So, a lot of cool stuff here. Uh, but yeah, that's New Japan right now. Really quick before we move on to DET, um, just the stuff that's been announced. Uh, this Saturday is a Show in San Jose, believe it or not. Uh, it is Kazuchika Okada and Will Ospreay against Ibushi and the Amazing Red is the main event. That's that's a match, all right. <laughs> and then uh, Naito and Shingo Takagi against Jay White and Chase Owens, the semi-main. And you have Lance Archer and David Finley for the U.S. title and El Fantasma versus Show for the British Cruiserweight title and a bunch of other tags. Not the most exciting lineup there, but it's not really that big of a show, so whatever. But obviously, the big thing coming up—not the World Tag League. Which oh, is, I was. You know, uh, we don't want to do a, a big World Tag League preview right now. <laughs> no, I'm good. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Is, you know, two months away. A lot. To, you know, there's a lot to dig into there. But obviously, at one four, we have the two title matches: Okada and Ibushi, and White and Naito. Now we have Osprey and Hiromu for the Junior Title announced, and we already had the Liger Tag previously announced. Uh, one five. We know we're getting the double title match. We're also getting a losers match, which was a little surprising. The two not the way it says it right here is the two non champions after January fourth intercontinental and heavyweight championship matches will meet. That match is going to be weird. Like, am I the only one who saw that and was like, "What the fuck?" Because it's like, you know, let's say it's Okada and Bushi, which I think is still the most likely outcome. Jay White and Kota, or, or, I mean Okada and Naito. Jay White and Kota Bushi is going to come out and have a sad little who's the biggest loser match. It's a little weird. I assume that'll be to set up uh, Abushi Naito for the uh, the big Osaka Joe New Beginning show. You think? Sure, but it's yeah. it's still a little weird though. No, yeah, <laughs> it is absolutely. But <laughs> it's I gonna be. All... I think that's their idea, at least. Yeah, I don't know. Anyone have any thoughts on this fucking losers bracket? Yeah, I thought it was a little bit uh, weird, for sure. But um. I, th- I still think the final on one five is going to be Naito Ibushi. I don't know if how hot of a take that is. So okay. I would make the losers match Okada Jay White, and I could see Jay White losing that for them to do a big long redemption arc with Jay White that I'm going to hate the entirety of, and then he wins it all in Wrestle Kingdom four fifteen. I don't know which I can't keep yours straight. So that's where I think they're going with it. But yeah, it's a little bit weird. I mean, you have to like, what are they fighting for? third place like what do they get a, a u.s title shot or something i don't know it's weird yeah um who knows i guess i guess we'll find out uh one five also has tanahashi jericho and it has phantasmo and ichimori against punky 3k for the junior tag titles so uh, obviously we still got stuff to add here with whatever they're going to do with kenta and shibata and goto um we got obviously we'll have the tag title the heavyweight tag titles um I think probably Archer and Moxie for the U.S. title. That seems likely. 
but I guess we'll say. Uh, there you go. That's Wrestle Kingdom so far. Shaping up to be really exciting. I'm very excited for Wrestle Kingdom this year, so we'll see what happens there. Let's move over to DDT yeah. for DDT's Ultimate Party 2019, the DDT Group Big Gathering. Uh, this did 5,869 fans in Rio Gogu, which is a little bit less than I expected, actually. I think what did last year do? It did like 6,200, right? It did like 6,250, and they claimed super no vacancy full house. So this was, they I claimed, guess, probably like 90% full. They claimed it again here. It says super no vacancy oh, they did. So I don't know <laughs> if they, they had a bigger set or something, but. Yeah, they could have just sold fewer, like, had, yeah, like, you said, had fewer seats available. Because I heard, like, a week before the show that there were only, like, several hundred tickets left. So that's why I was surprised by the 6,200 or whatever, but that, you know, being so much less than 6,200, but, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, this was a, this was an awesome show. I was going to go through, you know, probably the show of the weekend, even though we haven't seen Noah yet, but, uh, just an incredible show. Let's start from the bottom, work our way up since the undercard here is actually pretty cool. Uh, first, the first under match, we can probably blow through these first two. Daichi Kazato, Masato Kamino, and Shuhei Washida defeating, uh, Matsunaga Watase and Keigo Nakamura. Uh, Kazato Pin Nakamura, the explosive axe bomber in 658. A very basic match, as you probably expect. Uh, the only note I made was Kago is fast. So there you go. <laughs> uh, anyone have anything to add about this really, really basic match? Remember when Watase was in uh, Renegades? Wasn't that a fun time in, <laughs> in life? <laughs> That's all I could think of. I'm like, he was in that stable and it totally failed. And now he's in the, you know, the dark, the opening dark match. Kago got a good reaction, I thought. That's uh, that's that's about it. <laughs> no, but nothing to add, Jack. Oh no, no, I'm. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, so let's see here. The under match, the Tokyo Joshi Pro eight woman tag match. Uh, in this case, it was Hikari Noah, Yumi, uh, Mahiro Kiryu, and Suzumi pinning Raku Panharajuku. Haru Neko and Marai Mayumi when Noah pinned Harajuku with a Yorinage at 822. Uh, this is goofy, light, it was fun. And now Akari Noah got a hot. Well, okay, it was goofy and light for a while. And then Akari Noah got a hot tag and started fucking dropkicking Rocky like right in the face, including like this really brutal looking one in the corner. It's like did, she did not get the, the message, I guess, that they were just having fun out there. Um, and then Mariah started throwing her variants, which are great, including a great one on Noah. Um, and then Pom, Pom Harajuku made me laugh a lot because she, you know, we had this like string of crazy moves, like string of really cool looking moves. And then she like runs and bounces off the ropes and does a little trip. <laughs> it was great. Her running trip. <laughs> but yeah, this is a fun and energetic undermatch. Not a ton else to say about it. So anyone want to add something about this one? Uh, yeah, yeah, I thought... We oh, yeah. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> right, you both talked over each other there, so what the fuck? <laughs> you, go you go all first. You go first. I think we're both about to just say it. Hikari Noah is very good. That's, uh, that's, about, that's about all my analysis for today. But yeah, Hikari Noah, better than AJ Styles. Yeah, I thought she had good sequences with both Palm and uh, Raku. So, yeah. Someone told me in, I think, Slack that Up Up Girls are better than uh, AJ Styles is no longer ironic. It was never ironic, okay? AJ fucking sucks now, and the Up Up Girls rule. So, you know, it's, the, the gap has just widened. <laughs> the 
okay. After that, we have the Iron Man Heavy Metal Weight title. First of all, so we see a vignette of Shota uh, from Gambari backstage. Uh, and <laughs> he's like running away from everybody. He bounced, he, he, he like bounces into Pokotan and like hits the ground, hits the wall and then hits the ground with two chairs on top of him. And of course, uh, the referee walks by, sees these two chairs on top of him, counts one pinfall. So a chair became the 1,433rd champion. And then the other chair is on top of the first chair. So he counts another pinfall. And the second chair becomes the 1,434th champion. So the chair enters enters this uh, enters this match as champion. So God bless DDT is what I really heard for this. It was great. So the chair comes out as a theme song. is just like, Isu, Isu, which is like, you know, chair chair in Japanese. And the crowd's chanting for the fucking chair. Um, and here it just starts with the chair. So the, the crowd chants for the chair. And the chair reverses a suplex into its own suplex and then applies a submission hold. Uh, Yoshihiko is next, which the look on fucking Hirta, I guess he, he had just thrown this chair down to the mat, you know, just fought off this inanimate object. And then Yoshihiko Steve hits. And he makes this amazing face, like, directly into the camera that, like, had me, like, fucking crying with laughter because he's just so upset that he has to fight another inanimate object. Um, so Yoshiko comes in. He managed to, uh, Hirata managed to reverse, like, the big Rana into a powerbomb in the corner. Pokotan comes in next. And now Hirata is, like, totally fucking despondent over all these fucking weirdo objects and mascots. He tries to eliminate himself before they won't let him do that. And then finally, Shota comes in next as a second human. Hirata yells out, like, Ningen, like, you know, human in Japanese, and, like, runs over and hugs him. He's, like, so happy. There's another human in the match, finally. Um, and then they all, they work together to eliminate Pokotan, uh, and then they, you know, together they eliminate Yoshihiko as well. And then uh, fucking Yuki Kawifuku comes in next, and she decides to do a sexy pose on the chair because she's a Gravare model, and she pins the chair while with, you know, reference three counts the pin. I have to, I have to call bullshit on this pin, okay? The chair is clearly standing. You know, it's like in a standing position. How could you pin somebody when they're standing up, right? Oh. The chair had to be laying, the chair was not laying on the mat, you know, folded. That would be pinning a chair. So this, this pin should not stand. The chair should, you know, uh, the chairs are protest to the commission, I guess. But yes, Kanye Fuku pins the chair with her. They call it a gravure pin in the recap, which is awesome. To become the 1,435th champion. Um, but yeah, Harukaze comes in. Mina Shirakawa. Mina Shirakawa, her partner in Tokyo Joshi, comes in and like immediately turns on her and tries to pin her. That was great. Uh, Sagat comes in and you know finds himself unable to attack them because they're hot, I guess. But then backslides her to become the new champion, and then he chases around Harukaze and Mina like he wants to molest them, which is not the most charming part of this match, honestly. But he finally <laughs> does grab a pair of boobs. He grabs Awashi's boobs when Toru Awashi comes in. That was funny. And yeah. Awashi makes a lot of faces like he's very into it. So uh, that was pretty good. So then everybody, the the, ama- the most amazing spot, this amazing match, everybody's like in you know the, the circle with the leg locks. You know, If you've seen a DT match, you've seen this spot before. And Gorgeous Matsuno comes out next. And, you know, he steps into the circle and he starts to sing. 
And immediately, he like, there's like a long build up for this song. So he's like waving to the crowd a little bit. He's like, you know, doing his own thing. And as the camera zooms like up and on his face when he's about to sing, if you look very carefully, you can see the look on Awashi's face. And Toro Awashi looks like he is like smelling a fart or something. Like he's so like disgusted with what is about to happen. And the, the moment Masano starts to sing, everybody jumps up and like attacks him. So you think that's it. But he keeps fucking singing. <laughs> like he sings through the entire they toss her into the corner and he keeps singing. They're like fucking beating him up and he keeps singing. Like he sings through the entire thing. Everybody else gets fucking thrown out. He even no sells the the hero to like fucking uh I can't forget what he calls it, the fucking one the KO slap that chop thing he does to the neck. And at one point, Hirata keeps chopping him in the neck over and over and over again, and it makes like a funny sound while he's singing. So Hirata then finally gets like he gets choke slammed by Monster now. I think it's Antonio Honda on commentary who just yells out like choke slam, choke slam. <laughs> like he's so, so fucking like he's like trying so hard to laugh. He's like screaming about it. Um, but yeah, so Monster now eliminates everybody except Hirata. And then Masuno finishes his song. He's like, thanks, everybody. And he does. He goes to do the gorgeous superstar elbow and just misses and collapses, and, and here it depends him. And that's the end of the match. Incredible. <laughs> One of the most incredible okay. things I've so ever good. seen. These Iron Man Battle Royals are, never, are always awesome, but this was even a good one of those. So I fucking loved it. Thomas, what did you think of the Iron Man Heavy Metal Weight Battle Royal? I mean, it was... Just tremendous, wasn't it? I mean, probably one of the best comedy matches of the year, and I think DDT's had a, a really good year in that respect, uh, even by their standards. I went four and a quarter stars on this because I'm not a coward. <laughs> um, I still star rate these. Uh, yeah, it was it was just tremendous. Um, gorgeous Matsuno, uh, most outstanding wrestler campaign. Uh, big addition to it, I'd say. What do you think of this one, Jack? You're going to be the party pooper? Oh, I really Oh, I, hey, I, I liked it. I okay. liked this a lot. <laughs> I thought Harada in this was just fantastic with his facial reactions. And when Pokotan came in, he just decided that he was just going to jump out of the ring. I thought that was fantastic. And then the gorgeous Matsuno thing, you know, normally for a wrestler who I, you know, I don't find funny or enjoyable most of the time. I thought the singing spot was really creative. And the match as a whole was just incredibly creative. Although the chair pin standing up was a, uh, you know, really uh, took me out of the realism of this match. So that's why I only went three, <laughs> like four and a quarter. So yeah, that's my thoughts. I liked it though. Thomas. I kind of already Thomas, went by that. four and a quarter. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, wow. yeah. Back to Thomas before me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would argue, hard. I would argue that we don't actually know what the shoulders of a chair are. <laughs> Um, I don't know that that's ever been studied or determined. So I would say that uh, it's to the referee's discretion to determine what he believes to be the shoulders of the chair. Um, I liked it. I do uh, worry Yoshihiko really seems to be getting buried in the booking uh, this year, thrown violently over the top rope. At the beginning, I thought Yoshihiko would last much longer. Uh, but unfortunately not. But I, as well, really liked it. Yeah. Well, Taylor, Taylor, in the backstage segments, when the first chair got pinned, the chair was flat on the ground. So I think that's uh, that's precedent. The referee has to respect the precedent. Uh, so I would argue 
the chair was standing up and uh the chair was screwed chair was screwed all right yeah, interesting so that was it that was a pre-show match by the way that was like <laughs> one of the greatest things i've seen in a long time like a fucking pre-show match dt's awesome uh the real opener was izami kodaka defeating shimshiro takagi with the isa isa my Isam, I can never pronounce this. Isa mi Isa Zan. There you go. Isa Miyashi Zan. Five forty nine. Uh, very short match, which might be one of the issues. But like, you know, it's just they had a fucking sea of plastic boxes in the ring. Uh, the the grabberay model lady on commentary seemed like fucking horrified the entire time. Uh, it was pretty short, but you know, it was like as advertisers, the two of them slamming each other on boxes. Uh, I wish they I wish they got a little longer, but they were. You know, trying to keep the show moving, I guess. So I get it, but like, you know, they had a moment together afterwards. It was like a, I would say, like a three and a half star match. Uh, Izami dove into a big pile of them at the end because he's a maniac. What do you think, Taylor? I'll start with you this time. Uh, I liked it. I do wish. I mean, I understand why it wasn't, but I do wish it was a little bit longer because uh, I was enjoying it. I like that they put them uh, all the boxes uh, or the cases, whatever you call them in the ring as opposed to I thought they would just be sort of stacked around the ring. Uh, I found them sort of laying on the mat, very humorous. And I thought that they were going to walk on them, uh, which I think they attempted and didn't work. Um, but as I said, I think in the preview, I love the plastic cases because I think the fact that DDT uses them so much means that they are not actually painful, but there is something about them when they break that looks very painful um, I don't know if it's the shards or the, you know, the edges of the cases, um, but I liked it and I just wish it had been a little bit longer. Uh, and what do you think of this one, Jack? I also wish it was a little bit longer. Um, the plastic cases, you're right. The, the fact that they they use them, like you say, um, makes them think it wouldn't be painful, but they really like, when especially when they're getting like power bound on the shards, like that looks like it'd be very painful. And I like the sound that it makes when they break. Uh, I like the comedy of, in between the matches, just putting every like half of the plastic cases in the ring, that was pretty funny. And then before like they locked up and just stepping through the cases to get to each other, that gave me a good laugh. Uh, overall, I thought this was a pretty good opener. I went three and a half on it, but yeah, didn't feel like a waste of my time at all. Thomas, I'm with Jack there on pretty much all counts except. I liked it a little bit more. I went four stars flat, uh, which is kind of crazy for a five minute match, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know the the spots in the match looked absurd and, you know, just <laughs> walking through like the sea of plastic boxes and breaking them on the way to just grapple each other. I thought that was really great. So yeah, four stars. It's also that sort of thing where like, I was so excited to watch this show. I was watching it live, uh, reviewing it for the site. And I was like, okay, I'm into this. So you always get that thing where like, when you want to like something, you may end up, you know, overrating it sometimes, but I don't know. I really enjoyed this. I went four stars. Love me some Masami Kodaka. Uh, hit another great match on the next show we'll talk about too. So good weekend match, for him. Match number two for the KOD 10-man tag team titles. Yeah. Bring on these belts back. Uh, Don Shokudino, Asuka, Yuki Ino, Mizuki, and Transam Hiroshi defeating Super Sasazango Machine, Yuna Manase, Jiro Ikemen Kurishio, and Hiroshi Yamato, and Makoto Oishi. Ino pinned Sasazango with the spear in 1343. They become the second champions. Uh, before we got the match, they cleared the ring, we got the PowerPoint, which made it clear why uh, those two matches are booked back to back. So basically, Dino's whole thing was like basically he gave like every reason why 
the match isn't a filler match and why everybody has their own reason to want to win. Uh, and then at the end, he went, he basically included a shot at Drew Gulak for stealing his gimmick and said, he, they, they said something about like an NXT Japan invasion, how they have to, or a possible NXT invasion, how they uh, have to be ready to fight it off or something, which A, was really funny because Ikem is in the match and he's going there probably. And B, I think it was, it might have been like, I don't know, Emily Pratt or somebody on Twitter who like tweeted out something like, they're doing such a better job already defending their wrestling scene against the fucking, like, like the, the European scene just kind of, I know it wasn't as far along and blah, 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 but the European scene fucking laid down and Japanese wrestling isn't even taking it laying down and even making fucking jokes about it. So there you go. Um, it does help to have a bunch of really powerful corporations, I guess, but you know, what are you going to do there? Um, the match itself, you know, Yamato, and it, my favorite highlight was probably Yamato blocking the Don Shoker driver with the X. Uh, that was really funny. Uh, and then we got the big interlude with first was like Makoto's internal dialogue about how normally he reversed the panties. Like basically it all went slow motion. And we got the internal, the internal dialogue and, you know, he's so busy trying to come up with a baby name lately. That's all he cares about. Uh, and then we get one of uh, Eno's dad who didn't want his son to be a pro wrestler, but he definitely doesn't want to be a loser. And that was enough to get Eno to pin Sasazango. So pretty funny there at the end. And then Dino, Asuka, and Mizuki all wanted the pink belt, which left the others with two belts each because they were all fighting all the way to the back with the pink belt. Uh, what did you think of this one? I guess... Let's start with you, Taylor. I liked it. I will say that I became a little, uh, it was a little bit bittersweet seeing Ohada in the uh, Oishi internal monologue as she's someone I miss a lot. Uh, someone I talked up a lot on this podcast last year. Um, but I liked it. I actually really like Hiroshi Yamato. Um, I've really enjoyed seeing him this year as someone who's sort of started to get more and more uh, bookings in bigger places or at least places I guess I watch. Uh, so I enjoyed it and I just hope that um, this five-person team is able to coexist and maybe defend the titles uh, once or twice in the next two or three years. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think? Uh, go ahead, uh, Thomas. Yeah, I thought it was actually really good. I always enjoy the uh, the slow motion uh, sort of deal in these sorts of matches. So uh, I want three and a half stars on it. Nice little comedy match. Uh, does anybody else think, this is something that uh, Ewan from the site who reviewed the show with me on com said in his review. Uh, does anyone else think that Yamato resembles a young Matsuno? Does anyone else see that? Because I like when he said that, I instantly was like, "Wow!" Yeah, he kind of does, right? Yeah, yeah, that makes, I could see it. Yeah, uh, Jack, what'd you think? Uh, I, I never really enjoyed Dino too much, but I thought the the time slowing down thing at the end was really well executed, especially when they started wrestling again, but stayed in slow motion. I thought that was really clever. I like the internal monologues and the cameo from uh, Eno's dad. Overall, I thought it was a, a pretty clever match, and uh, it was comedy that I, th- I thought was uh, yeah, better than what I I, don't know. I don't know. I think I'm starting to come around more on DDT comedy than I used to. 
So yeah, I, I enjoyed this. Match number three was he got in the tag match. I'm just going to read off the finishes here. Uh, Yukio Sakaguchi and Ryoto Nakatsu defeated uh, Katsumura and Koki Irizaki from Gambare. Uh, Sakaguchi pinned Irizaki with God's right knee in 355. Uh, Nodoka Temma and Yuki Aino beat them by ring out in 152. Maki Ito and Chris Brooks, the um, Neo Ito Respect Army, beat Temma and Aino when Ito pinned Aino with the flying big head, flying big head in 256. Uh, Yuki Ueno and Naomi Yoshimura beat I- Ito and Brooks when Ueno pinned Ito with the crucifix pin in 235. And then finally, Ueno and Yoshimura won the final fall over Yuki Yukio Naya and Cody Hall when Yoshimura pinned Naya with a lariat in 429. Um, you know, this was, this was good. I definitely didn't, you know, I mean, they, these are these matches are kind of so short that, like, you know, that you don't have any, have time to get tired of any of them. So it ends up being a pretty fun way to spend, you know, about 20 minutes total, probably. Um, but, you know, the uh, I thought it was funny that the, the video screen called Naya and Cody Hall the Twin Towers. That was, uh, it's like nobody told them that's not really a great <laughs> reference anymore. But, uh, yeah, the last the last little pairing I thought was a pretty fun tag match on its own, especially the Yoshimura and Naya exchange at the end. I don't know if you really want to slap a star rating on this whole thing, but I had a good time. Jack, why don't we start with you this time? What do you think of the gauntlet tag? So it was another match I enjoyed. Um, I So I looked at cage match for the card and then copied it over my spreadsheet because I'm a nerd. And uh, I thought uh, Yuki Onai and Cody Hall, uh, at least when I checked, they weren't on the match. So when uh, the last team got pinned, I forget who it was. I'm like, oh, well, this match is over. And then Cody Hall comes out. And I'm like, oh, fuck. But uh, yeah, they're uh, Naya. <laughs> they're, they're all right, I guess. Uh, yeah, it was a fun match as a whole. Uh, my man uh, Yukio Sakaguchi was uh, fun as always. Uh, the, and I really like the Chris Brooks and Maki Ito pairing. I think it's really clever, especially when uh, Chris did the uh, – he tried to do Maki's gimmick of saying, like, who's the cutest, I believe. And then yeah. Maki just went out and was like, Chris! I, I thought that was pretty That was pretty funny. So, yeah, an enjoyable time. Uh, Taylor. Yeah, uh, Maki Ito and Chris Books are definitely the hot uh, meme team, uh, I guess you would say, because um, that was a big – scrolling through the Twitter timeline, a lot of the talk was uh, about that team. Uh, but, yeah, I sort of agree. Cody Hall uh, is not good. And, you know, I thought it was – I thought it was uh, – I thought it was fun enough. Thomas. Yes. Uh, I thought this was good. I thought this was like a l- nice little three and a half star gauntlet match. Uh, I really enjoyed the Gambari team against Yukio and Nakatsu. I think uh, Sakaguchi and Nakatsu are like two of the most underrated guys in DDT, maybe period in Japan. Uh, so I like them getting some shine here. They got eliminated pretty early on. But yeah, all in all, pretty fun match, three and a half stars. I did think it was a little weird um, to have Nautilus win the match after they just dropped a number one contendership match on the last Korkin. I thought that was kind of a weird booking decision, but I guess maybe they're setting them up for the next tag title shot after Brooks and uh, Masa Takanashi. Uh, who knows? But yeah, three and a half stars for me. Uh, match number four, the independent World Junior Heavyweight title. The, Of course, the belt that began back in FMW is currently the Gambare top title. Uh, Keisuke Ishii defeated Fuminari Abe with the pink Neo kick in 726 to retain his first defense. Uh, this was an all-out sprint from the opening bell, including a bunch of head-drop Germans that were really cool. Um, I thought it was awesome. Just right under four stars for me. I went three and three quarters. 
really enjoyed this. Um, you know, I just maybe wish it had gone a little longer than seven and a half minutes again, but they're, you know, they're trying to keep the show moving. I get it, but you know, they did, they did manage to keep the show to a shockingly, like only like six hours total with the, with the dark matches, which is actually like amazing for a big DDT show. But yeah, uh, that was, this is really good. Uh, why don't you start Taylor? What'd you like? what do you think of this? One? Yeah, I liked it too. I wish it was longer. I went a little bit higher than you. I went four stars. Uh, two guys I really liked went out, you know, just like the uh, Tai Chi Naito match, you know, it was a little bit shorter than probably I would have liked, but in this case, I didn't really mind. I still thought it was a really good match. Um, and I thought they did the best with sort of the time they were given. Uh, so, yeah, I really liked it. Uh, Thomas, go ahead. Yeah, this was – I thought it was really great. Um, I know y'all are all saying you wish it went longer. I thought this show was paced really well. And so there were a lot of matches that individually I was like, oh, yeah, maybe this could have gone longer. Maybe I would have liked it more. But thinking about the show all in all, I was like, wow, this show is really well paced. Um, and so I appreciated the sprinting nature of a lot of the undercard. And so I actually went four and a quarter on this. I love myself a good sprint. Like, that's not a thing that really crosses my mind when I'm reading a match. It's like, ah, you know, maybe if it went a few minutes shorter or went a few minutes longer, I should say, I would have liked more. I was like, well, in the time they had, I think they did about as much as they could. So I went four and a quarter. I loved it. Uh, Kisuke Ishii is another guy that I think is severely underrated. And I think I saw that he's having a title match against uh, Makoto Oishi coming up soon. Um, yeah, so I was going to get to that at the end yeah, of the show. Okay, sorry. <laughs> that, that, could be, that could be awesome. Didn't mean to jump the gun yet, but that's going to be great. Um, yeah. So, yeah. The UWA World Six Man Tag Team Titles, the greatest belts in wrestling history. <laughs> uh, Three way match Takumi Sukamoto, Yasu Arano, and Takato. Takato Nakano defeated Tetsuya Endo, Mad Polly, and Nobuhiro Shimatani, and Ken Oka, Yumihito Imanari, and Miss Mongol when Sukamoto pinned Shimatani with the Dragon Kicker in 909 is their first defense. Um, I don't know. This is It, it felt like it kind of came out of nowhere, the finish here. I did, this didn't work as well for me as the last one as far as the sprint goes. I still thought it was like good, but like three and a quarter good, I guess. So not like a little under my expectations. I do want to give a shout-out to Imanari for having a jacket that looked exactly like John Moxley's, but instead of saying Mox, it said sex. That was really funny. So way to go, Imanari. You rule. But, yeah, this was a little underwhelming for me compared to what I expected. Uh, Thomas, what do you think? Yeah, I'll, I'll concur with you there. It felt a lot like a bunch of people just getting their shit in um, in some respects. I mean, I thought it was pretty good for what it was, though. Uh, Endo, as you could expect, is one of the best in the world. I mean, he really shined here. He was clearly the star of the match. Um, so, yeah, I'd go with like three and a quarter, three and a half on it. Uh, pretty solid. Jack? Uh, yeah, I I thought it was fine. I really like Bad Communication uh, song. Yes. That, that is a really fun song to carry over. It's great. I have to say. Uh, yeah. uh, and uh, you never asked me my thoughts on the last match, but I like that one too. Oh, that was I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was thinking that in my head. I was like, wait a second, did I forget to call on Jack? And look, this is hard. There's a million matches, and there's three of you. So, Jack, what do you think of the junior title match? <laughs> huh? Oh, yeah, that was, that was pretty good. Uh, I, I like Funori Abe a lot. He's one of my favorite young wrestlers in Japan, and as a whole, it was a sprint, and I enjoyed it. I but I wish it would have been a little bit longer. But yeah, I have I have nothing to say about the UWA six man match. So I just wanted to. Uh, bullshit about that last match to fill my time to cover perfect. <laughs> I remember nothing about this. Other- <laughs> uh, I, I will note this is the one I thought that 
I thought like there was going to be at least one title change, like interpromotional title change. And in hindsight, I should have seen the one that actually ended up being coming. But I thought it was going to be this one. It was not this one. Uh, but sorry, I held on to the UWA titles. Taylor, what'd you think? Yeah, I'm the same in that, you know, we watched a lot of uh, matches for this uh, podcast. And this is the one I have almost no memory of. Uh, <laughs> I don't really, I remember the finish, but other than that, I really don't remember anything. Uh, and match number six, the princess tag team titles, Rika Tatsumi and Miyu Watanabe defeating Saki-sama and Misao when Tatsumi pinned Misao with the Missile Hips. What a great name. 1346, uh, Neo Goon failed on their fourth defense, and apparently their name is Daydream of Rika Tatsumi and Miyu Watanabe. They became the six princess tag team champions. Um, First of all, I thought this was pretty damn good. Maybe just a tiny bit disappointing. I, I went three and a half, so a little under what I might have expected going in, but still a very good match. Um, you know, I liked Miyu getting to show off her power. She, like, slammed them both at once and gave Masao a huge giant swing. That was good. Uh, maybe it got a little bit dull in the middle, and that's where I'm a little disconnected. Maybe this didn't need nearly 14 minutes with everything else getting cut for time, but... By the end, when Rika like fired up on Masao, she hit the twist of fate and then the, the missile hip attack for the pin. Um, you know, that, that was a good little finish, but definitely maybe felt a little bit out of nowhere. So three and a half. They're very emotional about winning the belts after afterwards, which is cool. But there you go. Uh, Rika kept trying to like reach out to Masao because you know they have their their connection in the past and you know they they go back way they go way back before Masao became Saki Sama's bodyguard, but Saki-sama basically kept not slapping them away, and Masao did leave with Saki-sama. Uh, start with you, Jack. So apologize for skipping you. What do you think of the princess tag team titles? Uh, I also I thought it was I thought it was okay. Uh, I went three and a quarter. Uh, I agree with you that it went it felt a little bit long. If I would have had the choice, I would have took a couple minutes off and put more onto the Ishiabe match. But at the end of the day, I enjoyed it. I really liked uh, Watsonabe. This is I think my second or third time seeing her because I don't watch as much uh, Tokyo Joshi as I should, but I, I liked her a lot. And uh, yeah, as someone who hasn't watched Tokyo Joshi for a while, um, it was definitely a different look for hyper Masao that I'm, I'm used to, that I'm used to seeing, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it was, a, it was a, it was fine. It, it didn't, it wasn't bad. It just, it was just fine. Taylor. Uh, I thought this was pretty good. In fact, I think it's probably, um, now having seen, you know, the number of matches that Neo Bishiki Goon had with the titles, it's probably sort of the height of what they were capable of. I went three and three fourths, uh, which is what I went for their title win as well. Um, so I'm looking forward to Watanabe and Tatsumi holding uh, the titles because I think that they're really great. Um yeah, but I liked it. I don't know if I thought it dragged. I'm trying to think back if I ever had that thought. I don't remember it. Um, but yeah, I liked it. Didn't blow me away, but um, liked it. Liked it well enough for sort of my expectations that I had going in, uh, which I talked about on the preview, which was that you know it's sort of one team that might need to carry the other team a little bit to a good match, which I thought is sort of what happened. So it was sort of what I expected, but good match. Uh, Thomas? Yeah, this wasn't a work-rate classic in any ways, but uh, they told the story they wanted to tell, um, and I did enjoy the story aspects of the match. 
um, with Rika continually trying to reach out to Masao. Um, I did, you know, have a little bit of an issue with the finish. I mean, it was like, it should have been like such a big moment. And I thought the missile hip attack being, you know, the big title changing move was a little bit odd, but that's Tokyo Joshi for you. So I went three and a half, uh, I think, which was the same as you, John. Uh, Miyu won her first title here. Hopefully the first of many. I think she's really great. Um, and she had a great match here. Match number seven, the KOD tag team title four-way hardcore match. Daisuke Sasaki and Soma Takao retain again, defeating Akito and Shima Katsumata, Fuma and Yusuke Kabo, or Kubo, and Minoru Fujita and Daiki Shimamura when Sasaki submitted Shimamura at the cross face lock in 1324, their eighth defense. Uh, first of all, I want to say real quickly, I don't know if they're going to get a lot of like talk for it, but I realized when I was trying to think of who my tag team of the year is, it's Sasaki and Soma. I mean, all their matches are like really good. They're, they're on their eighth fucking defense of these titles that usually change hands every two seconds. I mean, I think they are the tag team of the year. I think that's who I'm going to end up voting for. So, I don't know. Is that a hot take? I guess it might be a hot take. but I think so. What did you say? I said I think so. I think it's kind really? of a hot take. I thought a okay. lot of their defensive have been a little bit disappointing, but they've picked up a lot as of, yet, as of late. Um, so, yeah, I could see it, but I thought their title reign, at least towards the beginning, was kind of dull. Um, it's gotten a lot better, though, ever since the uh, the Peter Pan match. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I like it more than you did. Uh, but this match, I thought this was great. Um, you know, I went three and three quarters, just a crazy hardcore spot fest, an amazing finish with Sasaki giving Daiki a guitar shot on a plank on top of four ladders. He pedigrees him up on the plank, which was crazy, and puts him in the cross face for the tap out. Uh, the ending, like, elevated it probably a little bit for me, like a quarter star or something, but I thought this was... Really fun. Uh, Taylor, what'd you think of this one? Uh, I actually felt slightly different about the finish than you did. Cause it was funny because the finish was very similar to the extreme title three way at not the last cork and the cork and right before that, and that they went up on the table and the finish, the fi- I think the finish was through the table and the table broke and they came, you know, crashing down um to the mat which i thought looked a lot crazier than this with just the pedigree on the table that doesn't break that happens to be sort of higher up um you know i don't i don't think the table was supposed to break due to the fact that it was finished on top of the table with the submission um i still really like the match i went four stars uh shunma i thought was really uh, put himself out there in terms of doing some wild stuff. I mean, one of the first moves in the match was him going through that ladder on the outside, uh, which looked really crazy. So still liked it. Um, you know, maybe a little disappointment with the end just because I felt like we had just seen that in the previous uh, sort of hardcore match in DDT, but I still liked it. Uh, what do you think, Jack? I won four stars on it. I liked it as a hardcore match. Uh, when I first looked at this match lineup, I was like, ooh, uh, Minoru Fujita. I don't know how I feel about this one. But uh, <laughs> it was just a fun plunder match, really. I mean, that's when they had the late, the ladders with the tables on top of them, I got uh, a little bit nervous uh, for what they were going to do. But uh, I'm glad no one killed themselves. Uh, that was always That's always good. But, yeah, I went four stars on it, and it was, a, that was a really fun match. And I'll never not like a good, fun, hardcore plunder match, unless it's bad, but. Yeah, for, yeah, you understand what I said. Well, then what it I, wouldn't be good. 
Sure, sure, sure. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I kind of lost my time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm with Jackie. I went four stars. He kind of covered a lot of the main reasons why I liked the match. Um, Shunma looked great here, I think. It was the main guy that stood out to me. Um, so, yeah, four stars. Um, good defense. Um, I think Sasaki and Takao lose these belts um, at the next Korkin. Um, that's my read on it. They, I think that they have Takanashi and Brooks. Calamari drunk kings. Um, so I think they lose the belts there. Um, but it's been a pretty good reign for them. Okay. Everybody remember them at voting time. Who? What <laughs> fucking tag teams are, like had amazing 2019s? Axis. Axis. Watch some okay. more Noah, John. Yeah. I haven't watched enough Noah. So <laughs> wow. But... Fake fan. Fake fan. <laughs> Match number nine, the princess of princess title. Yuka Sakazaki defeating Shoko Nakajima. With the magical magical girl splash in fourteen twelve. Oh wait, no, I skipped the match. Wait, you skipped the match. Yeah, <laughs> Matsuhiro Takanashi, match number eight for the Union Max title, defeating Ryuchi Sekine with the Takatonic in nine fifty nine. So Sekine fails in his third defense. Uh, Masa Takanashi becomes the thirteenth Union Max champion. So this was the big title change with DDT taking up Basara belt, which was like the cruel hand of irony after Basara has talked all this shit going in about how they were going to steal all the DDT titles they could. DDT steals, like, their only title, basically. Or they're one of their only, because they have the UWA Trials titles, too, I guess. But, yeah, um, this was good. I, I really liked this a lot. I mean, it was pretty much what I was expecting. It was a, a really good mat wrestling to start. Um, there was, like, an amusing sequence based around them reversing a armbar on the ropes, which I really enjoyed. And it was just that kind of match the entire way. It, it never, obviously, only went 10 minutes it didn't have a chance to overstay its welcome. And if anything, I get again, I wish it had gone a little longer. Um, it was just really sublime technical wrestling, you know, a lot of like cradle reversals and stuff too at Masa, so which he always does. But yeah, I really love the fact that he finally won the big one, basically, which you know, he doesn't win the big one very often. So uh Takanashi wins. I gave this four stars flat, awesome match. And afterwards, Isami Kodaka challenged him yes. and Sara. The Bizarre Korokin, which I'm going to have to watch because um, it's a rematch of one of my favorite DT matches ever from like three years ago for the KOD title. So I'm definitely excited for that. Uh, why don't you, You're the, the Bizarre guy here, Thomas. Why don't you start? Yes, I am. I love me some Bizarre. Yeah. Um, this was great. I went four stars on it. Masa Takenashi is, you know, uh, one of the most underrated dudes in the world. I mean, I think we say it all the time on this show. Um, he doesn't often get enough spots, but but anytime he gets a spot, he knocks it out of the park. The Takashita match, uh, the Kodaka match. They have like a, I feel like there's one other KOD match that he had, like Sekimoto or something. Does that sound right? Um, yeah, something like that. Something like that. He had a, a from a while ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's tremendous. Um, Ryuchi Sekine, I think he takes kind of a lot of shit sometimes. Um, but he's been pretty good as a champ for Basara. I don't think he's quite lived up. Um, to Ryota Nakatu's run earlier this year. And I'm kind of getting to the weeds here. Um, but it'll be a good moment for Sami Kodaka to, you know, take the, the Unimax title off uh, on Basara's last show of the year into, you know, the new independent status. Um, I think that's kind of a fitting a fitting conclusion to their DDT arc is him um, winning the belt off of a DDT wrestler and then, you know, taking the promotion into the new light. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, you know a good story for the promotion. And then also, I mean, the match itself was great. Um, so yeah, four stars for me. Taylor. I don't have too much to say. I thought the match was pretty good. Um, and, you know, was happy to see Takanashi win. I thought it was a cool, uh, um, I thought it was a cool result. 
result and um as we already mentioned sort of a shocking uh result on on a show that i think had a lot of um results that weren't too shocking uh so i liked it and and uh, thought it was pretty good what was your star rating oh i would geez uh i would probably go like three and a half <laughs> okay uh and then jack go ahead uh, this was the match where I got confused as to why all the Basara people had tails, but then I was told it's because they're in the same faction. Yes. I'm just I'm sure. Of course. Uh, <laughs> uh, Takanashi uh, has always been one of my favorite DDT wrestlers to watch whenever I've popped in before for them. And this was a, another enjoyable match. Uh, I never really got into it on like a great level, but I still thought it was like really, really good. And so I went uh, three and three quarters at the end of the okay. day. All over the map there with the, well, I guess not really three and a half to four. Is not over <laughs> the, map. Uh, the princess and princess title match number nine, the Yuka Sakazaki defeats Shoko Nakajima with the magical magical girl splash in 1412. Uh, Shoko fails in her fourth defense and Yuka becomes the seventh princess and princess champion. The second time she's held this title. Uh, this was fucking awesome. I mean, yeah. look, they they went out there and they were in a tough spot, you know, third from the top, you know, a long show, not as long as it could have been, I guess, but still you have to win this crowd over. And the crowd got, like, the crowd sounded tired at the, end, at the start. By the end, they were going crazy. So it's all you really need to know here. I mean, there was a great mat wrestling at the start, uh, some really amazing dives from both girls. Um, you know, just, I thought this was great. I thought this was really awesome. Um, you know, just a classic TG, Tokyo Joshi style match. Uh, it was just really, really good. Four and a quarter. Uh, Mizuki cried at ringside on commentary. She was so happy for, for them for having this great match. Just such a cool little moment. But yeah, this was an awesome match. Definitely don't miss this one. Uh, Jack, what do you think of the Prince to Princess title? Oh, I, I love this match. This was the match that uh, convinced me that I need to watch more Tokyo Joshi especially the main events. Uh, Yuka sort of won me over for her AEW stuff, uh, Shoko to a lesser extent. But uh, I just really, I like Yuka's entrance music a lot, the AAA. That's good. That's good stuff. And uh, yeah, the it was a really high, fast-paced match, a lot of high spots. And uh, I really, really loved it. I think, okay. It's my second favorite match of the night. I forgot about my match tonight, but... I uh, still went four and a half on this one, and I just loved it. Loved it so much. It was so good. Taylor. Yeah, I was the same as John. I went four and a quarter. I thought it was really great. I was uh, also going to mention the moment with Mizuki at the end on commentary. I thought that was really cool. Um, paying off, obviously, being in the tag team earlier in the year and things like that. Uh, but, yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was a great showcase of – of the promotion. And, you know, I mentioned on the preview um, and, and both on the audio preview here and the written preview about how I thought that um, Tokyo Joshi had sort of taken a little bit of a downturn in terms of in-ring um, quality in their championship matches. So I was glad to see this match really reach the heights that I know that they're capable of. So yeah, I, I thought it was really great. Thomas? Yeah, I'm with Taylor. That I think uh, Tokyo Joshi's had a relatively down year compared to their 2018 for sure. Um, not to say that it's been bad, um, but this was great. I went four and a quarter, and I can't, I can't really kill you for going higher, Jack. Um, this was just tremendous. 
And uh, it was great to see how, you know, they were, they were already probably like four and a half hours into the show at this point. And, you know, the crowd, probably most of them weren't there to see these two. Um, but by the end of the match, you know, they completely won the crowd over. And that's just great to see. I, that's my favorite thing in wrestling is when, you know, two people go out, you know, get lukewarm reactions and have the crowd, you know, living and dying by, by every move by the end of the match. So, yeah, that's a testament to these two. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this title reign because I think uh, Sakazaki is just a tremendous wrestler. So Now, I love what they're doing. They're making her defend against Miriam Shida on 1-4 yeah. at their big Cork and Hall show. And that's who she lost to last time on her first defense. So that is like a genius move. I can't wait for that match. I mean, that feels like a gigantic match. So yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, speaking of Mayu, match number 10, the Silken Holdings presents the dramatic dream match. Kenny Omega and Riho defeating Antonio Honda and Miyu Yamashita in 21-22 when Omega pinned Honda with the one-winged angel. I have a few things to say here. First of all, apologize to Antonio Honda. He was fucking awesome in this match. I don't want to hear all the fucking assholes who were saying he didn't deserve to be in the room with Omega and how terrible his match was going to be. You got some egg on your faces because he was great in this match and this match was awesome. That's number one. Number two, Miriam Shida. Uh, I don't think this is a very horny podcast. I don't think <laughs> I do a lot of horny chat here. Her new outfit, her new karate outfit, my God. Miriam Shida, as the kids say, kill me. That's number, <laughs> point number three. Uh, <laughs> Kenny Omega. Um, <laughs> had his old his old Dr. Wadi theme song, which was great. Uh the remix. That was awesome. Um and then like uh but Rio had her terrible fucking AEW theme song. So that was like that took it down a little bit for the theme songs. Uh but yeah, there you go. That's the, the all the pre-match stuff. The match itself, just so fucking good. A total fucking nonstop, you know, nonstop fun, just fun from the opening bell. Um you know, Riho was awesome at the start. You know, I thought really carried it for a while until Kenny finally tied in. The crowd was like super into that you can't escape thing. Uh, you know, there was obviously a lot of people there to see him. Uh, and then Yamashita tags in and Kenny just has no problem at all selling for her kicks, which is great. Um, she Until she accidentally kicked Honda when he moved out of the way. Uh, I thought Riho was like noticeably more stiff here than she has been in AEW. Like she was really fucking giving, giving it to them with these drop kicks and stuff. Um, and then of course, Miyu held the ropes open for Honda to do his, to do a dive after everybody else had done dives. But of course he tripped and fell. That was really funny. And then he did his go in the Fox story and then transition into too sweet, where he's like, uh, he just suddenly goes too sweet, too sweet. <laughs> that was really fucking funny. I was laughing a lot hard at that. Um, Miyu Havashita really cannot do the dusty windup. <laughs> she like, she, like, if you looked her in the background trying to do the dance, like, she almost looked like she could not move her hips that way. <laughs> like, it was really almost embarrassing, but then they got cut off, and uh, Riho was really having a lot of fun with it. It was clear when she was doing the dance, uh, along with Kenny. And then Miyu and Kenny had, like, another great exchange and sees her get the advantage with her kicks. She hits a fucking Sankaku Gary out of the corner. It was awesome. Um, she like rocked him with a high kick at one point, and then Kenny like fires back by using Honda as a weapon. He like power bound him into Miyu in the corner. Uh, Re- then the, the spot of the match, and this is like the moment that like put this match over the top for me, is when Riho 
know, Kenny has Miyu on her on his shoulders. He climbs the top rope. Riho gets on top of Miyu on Kenny's shoulders on the top rope and does a fucking double stop onto Antonio Honda. I don't give a shit if she's like 80 pounds. That looks like it fucking sucks. And God bless Honda for taking that move. Um, and then V trigger by Kenny, followed up by a really sick drop kick by Riho on Honda. And then Rio dies the floor to take out Miyu. Uh, but then Honda won't take the one-winged angel. He, like, cowers it and, like, pulls the strap down. He's, like, fucking firing up the punches. I was, like, fist-pumping on my couch at this point. And then finally, Kenny puts him down with a V-trigger and hits the one-winged angel. Four and a half stars. This was fucking awesome. This was better than every single Kenny Omega match since the Ishii match at G1 last year. All of them. This is better than Omega and Tanahashi. Don't fucking at me. Jack, what did you say? Uh, so I, I almost went five stars on this. Uh, eventually, I talked myself down to four and a half. Uh, not because I didn't enjoy it to a five-star level, because when it comes to pure enjoyment or fun with the match, this is probably the most I've had fun watching wrestling this entire year. Uh, it, seeing Kenny Omega be happy and like see him like <laughs> clearly giving a shit again. Uh, is something that uh, it, I mean, look, you can say you can think he cares in these AEW YouTube matches or whatever, whatever. He, just because just because he's doing shit doesn't mean he cares. But you can like tell just from the moment he steps in the ring, like just how much he like, he took a moment to like just let it sink in, and that was just so great because you could tell that he, he was motivated. And I'll praise him obviously up and down the street, but uh, the rest of the people in this match were great too. Uh, Rio and Miu had some awesome stuff. And, uh, you know, I will admit to at first, I'm like, man, why are they letting Kenny get in there with Antonio Honda? What a waste. Uh, yeah, I was wrong uh, on that one for sure because uh, Honda was also great in this one. And uh, really, I think this was like the perfect match they could have made. And uh, the, the two sweet thing was great. Uh, the double stomp that John mentioned was great. Uh, the Dr. Wiley entrance music after like they, they like teased, like they went with his uh, AEW theme, which is also a banger. And then they went the Dr. Wiley that pop me big even if I didn't watch much Kenny and DDT as, as it was happening. But yeah, it was just fantastic all around. I, mean, I may have went four and a half, but this match, when it comes on to like match of the year balloting, it'll go probably very, very high. Probably top five as of right now, I would think. Uh, Thomas, what'd you think? Yeah, this was great. I went four and a quarter on it. Um, I think Jack already hit on it, but I mean, Omega just looked so incredibly motivated here. Um, and you could tell he was just having fun with everything. Um, DDT uh, English always got to give a shout out to them like translated all the post-match comments and like you can tell like how much he's enjoying himself like <laughs> there's this one question where a reporter asking about Gone the Fox and he goes you know honestly I'd been watching tape and scouting and I saw it coming but it was not just gone but it was also too sweet and you can just tell like, <laughs> he's, like, he's like so happy to be back in DDT like goofing around and so yeah it's great to see four and a quarter good stuff Taylor not to continuously say uh, we were right in the previews, but we were right in the previews. Oh yeah. Uh, in that we talked about, you know, people thought it would be comedy, and it did have some comedy, as we thought it would. But, you know, these guys who people, I think, mostly think of as, you know, sort of comedy wrestlers like Honda and uh, Hirata earlier uh, or last year, you know, when they need to, when the story calls for it or when the match calls for it, they can turn it up and have a great match. And that's what they did in this match. I also went four and a half stars. Uh, I thought it was really great. 
John mentioned the moment of uh, Honda slipping out of the one wing angel and firing up with the punches, which really got a reaction. I was watching with uh, former Omakase uh, notorious guest, Albert uh, was watching um, and he was fired up too. So uh, I really loved it. Like I said, four and a half stars. Uh, yes, this was awesome. A big, big fucking victory lap for everybody who thought this was going to be great, I think. I haven't really seen anyone say it's bad. Um, although Joe Lanza hasn't watched it yet, I guess. Um, <laughs> look, what I want to say about this, uh, the other thing, too, is Kenny, for anyone who doubts the whole thing that Kenny is like, oh, he really cares about this a lot more than AW. go look at his fucking Twitter timeline, or his Twitter feed. He, like, tweeted about this match and retweeted fucking, gyp, like, a million gifs of it. Like, I've Way more than just anything about AW in like three months. Like he was so into this, he was so much more into this than anything in fucking AW. You know, I, I there's a dynamite going on tonight where he finally cuts a promo on John Moxley. Apparently, obviously we haven't watched it yet, but like before this, it felt like he John Moxley's team went nobody. And you know, Kenny Kenny gave way more effort here than he has in pretty much anything in AW. Not that he had still had good matches in AW, but like he was just so into this, and you could tell. He was having so much fun out there. So I hope he comes back. I think he will. They teased a bunch of stuff afterwards with, you know, Arashima and Endo and Takashita. So we'll see what happens there. Um, and, and shout out to Miyu Yamashita, who's great here. And I think she'll get an AEW shot off of this, and she deserves it because she's so fucking good. Main event. Blackout presents the KOD Openweight title and DDT Extreme title. Arashima defeats Konosuke Takashita with the Samato in 2538. His first defense of the Extreme title. Takashita fails in his third defense, the KOD title, and Hiroshima becomes the 73rd KOD Openweight Champion. Um, so first of all, the we this is the one thing I guess we all got wrong in the preview, where we all said it was going to be Takashita retaining. You know, LOL, Take wins. But as this match went on, it became more and more obvious Hiroshima was going to win, especially when they had Kudo out there, you know, as this guy on, like, hiatus who may or may not ever come back like, really in the Shibata role, like, cheering him on. So once they made it, like, that big generational thing, I thought it became very obvious Hiroshima was going to win here. Um, you know, this this started with Hiroshima, like, kicking the shit out of him, which is really good. Um, There's a really cool spot where Takashita, like, caught the Samato into the walls of Takashita, which I think he also did at Korokin and won that way. So, you know, the crowd's going nuts for that. But then, you know, Hiroshima, when Hiroshima's about to get out, he, like, turns it into a power bomb and then you know, it goes back into the walls again. And here's where Kudo got up and was, like, cheering him on at ringside to get to the rope break. So that was really cool. Um, there was a, Hiroshima had a giant, like, reverse Rana off the top. And then he hits him with the, like, a standing Samato and then a second Samato for the pin. Um, you know, obviously, I kind of went kind of quick there because it was 26 minutes back. So, but, you know, uh, four and a quarter, you know, because you got to get to BJW, too. This is a really, really good, really awesome match. I would put it below the uh, the one they had a judgment in Saitama a couple of years ago. I definitely like that one. Like I think about four and three quarters on that one. So this was not up to that level, but it was still an awesome match and a great way to cap a amazing show. What do you think, Taylor? Yeah, I really enjoyed the match. You know, I uh, there there's always talk about Takashita taking these crazy. Um, Bumps and of course the reverse Rana is probably the one that's going to stick out in people's minds uh, the most. But you just sort of see it the whole match. I mean, very close to the beginning, uh, he got reversed on the outside into the ring post, 
and I think did like a backflip where he hit his back on the ring apron and then came down neck first on the ground on just a simple uh, running into the ring post. Uh, so it's always interesting to me to see the wild ways in which Takashita will uh, put his body on the line. I thought it was four and a half. I thought it was really good. I did get a little bit, uh, I thought it got a little bit in the weeds when Takashita was going out to sort of argue with um, the different the different folks that were in, on Hiroshima's side. Uh, it just felt sort of like a weird diversion and the match seemed to sort of stop at that moment which I wasn't really crazy about but I really liked it I liked paying off the story of the previous matches uh you know not many you know some matches do it but not often so I thought it was cool to say oh they've had these matches leading up and those matches actually matter more than just you know they usually say oh psychological advantage or something like that so I thought it was an excellent match and a really good way to cap off the show uh thomas yeah i'm with taylor there i was four and a half stars um excellent end to the show um my match of the night actually i think i preferred it to the kenny tag um ever so slightly um that moment with kudo who i mean kudo like you said he might not ever come back but that guy's like he's he's one of the best i mean i love that guy so much and just that moment with him just like pounding the mat as hiroshima like climbs with everything he has to try to get to the ropes and the walls of Takashida and the crowd's going crazy because Hiroshima had you know tapped to it at the last cork and I think he even lost by forfeit um to it once during the build-up as well um it's just such a great moment and then Hiroshima winning and you know getting the big moment uh, at Ryagoku I mean just a tremendous end to the show um I am with you that I like their Saitama match um a little bit better uh, but this was still great yeah four and a half Jack uh, this is a match that I thought was great, but is ultimately going to get wrapped up in like the, I don't know, the amount of shows that were that happened this weekend. And I mean, I didn't even watch Dragon Gate yet because I didn't have the time, but uh, I went, ended up going four stars flat on it. And I did enjoy it a lot, but I didn't enjoy it as much as I've enjoyed past uh, Takashita main events that I've seen, like the Sasaki one at Judge- Judgment, I believe they faced, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I enjoyed that one a lot more than this one, but uh, like it's still four star match. It was pretty enjoyable. It's just after the Kenny tag, I kind of was thinking nothing would be as good as that. And uh, these guys, I mean, yeah, they're two great wrestlers, but yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it, but only to the four star level, not to a match of the year contender level or anything like that. All right, but overall, I mean, I, I, I really, judging by all what we all said, uh, this is like you know, th- I it's going to be either show of the year or close to it. For me, it's like right below show of the year because I, the only thing it's behind is I very slightly prefer Peter Pan, but like DDT is just so fucking good at these big shows. And they, you know, basically say undefeated here, which, you know, judgment this year, definitely the weakest of the three, but when that's your weakest form, it's pretty, still pretty good. Any other final thoughts on ultimate party? I mean, yeah, it was my show of the year. I think I liked it ever so slightly more yeah, than Judgment. Yeah, that's something I would Yeah, I liked it, you know, slightly more than Peter Pan. Uh, you know, Peter Pan peaked higher. Uh, I, I mean, I think that Endo Takashita is a match of the year contender, but I think the pacing of the show was much better. I never felt tired watching it because they, they kept a lot of the undercard, you know, nice and in and out. Um, so, yeah, ever so slightly, this is my show of the year. And, I mean, it's a testament to DDT's year that they have the number one and number two for me right now. 
Um, and maybe the number three, honestly, because um, that Coming to America show is great, too. Uh, yeah, show of the year for me. Uh, loved it. Jack, go ahead. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Uh, I think it's in my top three. I, I don't exactly know where to place things right now. My top three would be uh, this show, Kobe World, and the G1 opener in Dallas that I, that I was at, which obviously gets the live bump because I mean, that was incredible. But, uh, yeah, I really like the show. I'd probably give it a, a nine or a nine and a half out of ten if I'm grading it. And uh, really just a I mean, it's, it's a ten or nine. Really fun card, top to bottom. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think, weirdly enough, like this may have been the longest show out of all the ones that we watched, but it felt like the shortest, especially compared to, like, the Power Struggle, felt like it was very long for me to watch. But uh, the show, it took me, like, seven hours, seven, eight hours to watch, but I had fun the entire way through, which is really all you can ask for when you're watching wrestling, you know? Yeah. Take Jack. Taylor? Yeah, I'm just trying to think about it. I don't know. I really loved Peter Pan. Uh, and I also loved the Coming to America show, and I was, of course, uh, as you know, was at that show, uh, which might push it up closer to the top. But uh, certainly, I wouldn't disagree with anyone who thought that this was the, you know, the top show. I think we're talking about three really strong uh, contenders. Who, you know, I think any order you put them in, you're you're picking good shows. So quickly before we move over to Big Japan. Uh, I want to give some upcoming stuff in DDT and other the other brands in case people want to know where they go from here. So in just a couple of days, DDT has a show in Shinkiba on November 8th, which actually has a couple big matches. Uh, Shimitani's send-off because he's going into – he's uh, his contract's ending. He's going to go freelance, but he's, um, you know – it's not really determined if he's leaving Damnation too, because he says he's still going to wrestle with DDT. But a send-off match from Damnation, it's listed here. He's going to face Shimatani versus Daisuke Sasaki, Soma Takao, Tetsu Endo, and Mad Polly. So that should be kind of funny. Um, the semi-main event is going to determine the next challenger for the KOD Openweight title at the Korkin at the end of the month. With Shumakatsu, It's a gauntlet match with Shuma Katsumata, Mizuki Watape, Yuki Ureno, Naomi Yoshimura, Yuki Ino, and Asuka. Personally, I kind of hope Asuka wins that. I think that'd yes. be really good for Hiroshima. But there's a bunch of options there. It'd be good. Uh, and then the main event is the independent World Junior Heavyweight title, uh, Keisuke Ishii and Makoto Oishi. That could be really good. So uh, that's another one. That's definitely a show I recommend watching in a couple days, November 8th. Uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro goes back at it on November 9th in the Itabashi Green Hall. Uh, the main event is a hype match for their title, upcoming title match. Yuka Sakazaki and Hikari Noah against Mimi Yamashita and Raku. So not a ton else there, but some interesting stuff, I guess. Um, the Gambari Wrestling Show is the same day, Itabashi Green Hall, uh, with a Ken Oka Shota main event. Uh, Basara has their next show on November 10th. And uh, not a, there's a UWA title match on top there. Um, we have a Yarose show on November 12th. Uh, which are always kind of funny. And then I'm seeing if there's anything else of note here before. The martial arts tournament. Yeah, the martial arts tournament. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then November 24th, uh, God bless DDT. Is that the one with the porn literature death match? I'm sorry? <laughs> Is that the one with the porn literature death match between Tanazaki and Yamato? The Yaru's one? Uh, I believe so. Uh, no, maybe not. I guess. Oh, yes, it is. Yep. And the Tanzaki and Hiroshi Yamato. Yep. The Sensual Novel Deathmatch is what it's called. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. 
Um, and then God Bless DDT on November 24th at Korokin has the, the first of the Saki Akai uh, Okibariyasu Oki seven-match series. The first match, Saki Akai versus uh, Sukasa Fujimoto from Ice Ribbon. That should be cool. Then we also have the KOD tag titles, uh, Daisuke Sasaki and Summer Takao against Masataka Nashi and Chris Brooks. And the KOD openweight title, Arashima against the winner of that gauntlet match we just talked about on November 8th. Uh, so there you go. That's what's coming up the rest of the month for DDT. And then after that, the DL will get started. So that'll be exciting. Uh, all right. So up next, we're going to wrap up the show by going through uh, Big Japan Ryu Gokutan. Uh, a little quickly, probably, because we've already been talking more than two hours, which I kind of figured we'd have to go through this one a little quicker, given it's a, it is like the least important of the three shows, uh, all due respect to uh, the big Japan fans out there. But it did 3,216 fans, so by far the least of the three Sumo Hall shows, along with Noah. No, what did Noah do? Like 5,500, right? Yeah, it was like mid-fives, I think. So yeah, 5,580 or something like that. Uh, so pretty good there. So the main event, we'll start at the top here again. The BJW Deathmatch Heavyweight Title, four-board Giga Ladder, Giga Ladder Deathmatch. Uh, Izami Kodaka defeated Yuko Miyamoto in 2103 with the Giga Ladder break. Uh, this was, of course, the Battle of Yankee 2 Kenju. Taylor, what did you think of this one? Uh, I was feeling this was the, of course, the, the last show I watched of the three we're reviewing. Uh, at this point, I think it was something like I was on my 18th or 19th hour of wrestling in about two or three days. Uh, so I was a little burned out. Uh, wasn't really feeling the beginning of the match, but near the end, I thought they really turned it up and uh, delivered a great uh, match, even sort of not even using any of the sort of death match stuff that you usually use. So I ended up going four stars because I thought they really turned it up near the end. Uh, but yeah, this was a match I was feeling a little bit of burnout on. Uh, Thomas? Yeah, I'm kind of in consensus there. Um, but yeah, this match was actually really good, all things considered. Um, obviously, you have the restrictions in Rio Goku uh, that you can't use light tubes and the such. Um, so they did a really good job working around that. Um, I ended up going four and a quarter. Was a little surprised that Kodaka retained, um, given that you know he's going off to run Basara at the end of the year. But I guess... Um, that relationship will continue in there. There are a bunch of bizarre wrestlers in Big Japan. You have like uh, Sukamoto and Funoyabe. Um, so I guess they'll continue working in the promotion as well. Um, so yeah, a little bit of a surprising result. I went four and a quarter. Really fun match. Like Taylor said, I uh, really picked up towards the end. Um, maybe I would have wished that they put Sakuda in the spot over Yuko Miyamoto. Um, just, you know, get the rising star um, up on the top of the card here. Uh, but it is what it is. Really good match. Jack. Yeah, um, I definitely felt the malaise with this one, especially since I watched it about like like twelve thirty last night. But uh, it was enjoyable. Uh, I definitely felt the Rio Goku the Rio Goku restrictions with the no light tubes. I felt like some weapons like that would have enhanced this, but uh, I don't know. It I can't call this great because I didn't enjoy it to that level. But stars wise, I'd give it like three and a half, three and three quarters because like it was an enjoyable match. It was close to being a great match for me, but it just never really clicked with me at a level that like I would expect between a title match and the main event of Sumo Hall between these two guys. Uh, so I'm, I'm more with, I guess, Thomas and Taylor. I went four and a quarter on this as well. Um, you know, this is like the kind of death match that I generally like where they're 
doing a lot of wrestling moves that just occasionally involve weapons like Azami giving him the exploder suplex on the nail board. Um, you know, there's like there's a lot of stuff with the ladder that was cool. Um, just good wrestling in general because both guys are, you know, good wrestlers. So you know, overall it was a it was a good match. Miyamoto did like a a giant moonsault off the Giga ladder that was really cool too. But yeah, I mean, I thought this was really good. Four and a quarter. You know, maybe if they did have access to the light tubes, it would have been another like five star match like we saw with Izami and Takeda last year. But really good match. Um, did did you want to add something, uh, Thomas? Would you hit that button by accident? Okay, I guess you hit that button by accident. So I'm gonna move on then to the strong world heavyweight title: Kohei Sato versus Daichi Hashimoto. Uh, Taylor, what yes. did you think of this one? So I think you mentioned it watching the show in the Slack or maybe on Twitter or something. It just it it felt very long, uh, and it felt like a lot of screaming. Um, and from, a lot of screaming. Uh, it actually felt a little bit like the, the sort of quote unquote cliche complaint about Joshi matches, which is like. <laughs> It's just these it's just these women screaming and that's like sort of the complaint even though that's not a valid complaint uh, but it felt like that here where it was about two minutes in and Daichi's already screaming uh, like he's been in a you know 35 minute match and it's coming down to the the wire uh, which it wasn't so I was not a huge fan of this match. Uh, what were your stars, Taylor? Oh, I, anything under like three and a half, I don't even okay. bother with. So okay. it was under three and a half. Um, so I've, I, Daichi won in 1940 the Rising DDT. It was it's so uh, Sato failed in second defense, and Daichi became the champion for the second time, the 16th champion. Um, Jack, what do you think? I just want to say that uh, Thomas in our uh, Jitsi chat right now is uh, trying to censor me on this match. I do not appreciate that because let me tell you. So in the past, I have enjoyed Daichi Hashimoto more than most. And I admit that sometimes a lot of the time outside of big Japan, a lot of qualifiers here, uh, he's not the greatest and he does not try as hard as he should. And even in big Japan, he does not try as hard as he should, but when he can go, I enjoy him a lot. Like, like his title reign last year, um, he had defensive Korkin against Kawakami on the second of last year, and then he had another one against Nakanoi that were very good matches, and then he had that one with Suzuki that we don't talk about. Uh, this match, uh, I can see all of the complaints for why people don't like it, but at the end of the day, I actually found myself enjoy. Like I thought I was going to like it ironically, and I was going to do like, like shtick in the slack with them, like, hey, Daichi did it again, or whatever. But uh, by the end of it, I actually found myself enjoying it. Uh, there was some cool... Daichi had some good kicks... Uh, there was some interesting submission work. Uh, Daichi's screaming uh, definitely got to be a little bit much, which is what limited me from going higher than what I did. Um, and uh, at da- Daichi may not have had the f- full crowd behind him, but I heard that there were some moments where you could tell that the crowd were getting into it. And when he won, there was a small pop. Uh, give him the credit he deserves. Uh, but at the end of the day, I went three and three quarters, I believe, on this one. And uh, yeah, I mean... I was led to believe that this would be another one of those bad Daishi matches, but I would like to yell at uh, Thomas and John for both lying to me. And the Daichi defense squad uh, is in full gear once again. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> the Thomas. 
I mean, yeah, this kind of sucked. Um, <laughs> Wrong. I mean, I mean, like I, the the shrieking from Daichi. It was just it was so bad. It was so bad. Um, I'm a shrieker on this podcast sometimes, but I don't want to see me wrestle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Will Osprey take some shit. Take some shit for his selling sometimes in the shrieking. I mean, this was that dialed up to like 15. Uh, and I mean, Jack Jack mentioned a few of the matches from Daichi's title reign um, that were pretty good. And I actually concur. I was kind of somewhat on the Daichi defense squad last year, um, but he's completely lost me this year. Um, I mean, his carnival one was was really bad. Um, and this was just not good. Um, and it's it's kind of unbelievable that they put him in this spot over like Takuya Nomura or somebody. Um, that has some potential. So yeah, this gets the the big old two stars from me. Uh, fucking stunk. I used to love Daichi. I used to defend him nonstop. Anyone can tell you, he just hasn't been good this year. Like yeah, exactly, it. exactly. Just, I, I would love to be come on here and be like Daichi's fucking great again. Daichi rides again. Like, this this match fucking was not very good. I gave it two and a quarter for some nice kicks. Uh, but like then there was like a long shot, a leg lock that just killed the momentum and the fucking screeching and screaming, especially when the crowd was dead. That's a very bad combo. A crowd making no noise and Daichi just like shrieking at the top of his lungs. So bad. Bad match. Two and a quarter. Below average. I'm probably even being nice. I hope this ring goes better for Daichi in the last one, but I'm not holding my fucking breath. Um, match number... Sorry, what's that? Have some faith in my guy. Okay. Match number eight. The Ryuji Ito 20th anniversary match. Weapons... Uh, the Blood and Death History, it's uh, Ryuji Ito and Takashi Sasaki defeating Jun Kasai and Toshiyuki Sakuda in 22-16 after a dragon splash by Ito against Sakuda. Uh, I'm not going to have a ton to say about this. I mean, it was a, it's not, I said the other one was my, was my kind of death match. This one really isn't my kind of death match. It's too much fucking stabbing. I don't need to see people stabbing each other. That's not really my thing. But uh, it was fine, I guess. I don't know. What do you think, Jack? Uh, this was incredibly gross, and it got to a point, especially near the end, where like I'm like, okay, they're going to wrap this up. They can't get any weirder. And then they brought out the saw board, and then they just started cutting each other's foreheads with like a, a butcher like thing. I don't know what it's called. It, that was gross. And then they got the syringes, I think. I kind of just started covering my screen around the 15-minute mark because it got to be a much. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I guess I enjoyed it up until then. Uh, I didn't know that they could do a death match just intense and Rio and Rio Goku. Oh, and um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Sakuda attempting to dive off the balcony and then just completely eating shit and <laughs> probably fucking up his tailbone for like weeks. Yeah, let me tell you, I've hurt my tailbone. It hurts. Yeah, Taylor. So, oh, sorry, you weren't done. No, I'm good. Okay, Taylor. Yeah, I think you summed it up pretty well by saying not my type of deathmatch. Uh, that's pretty much my exact thoughts. The, the dive off the balcony was really, I <laughs> really couldn't believe it. Um, so yeah, just sort of not my not my type of thing. As someone who's fairly uh, open to deathmatches, I actually like a lot. And I've spent a lot of time trying to convince others to give it a chance. But this is... Probably not one I would use to spread the good word of death matches. I, I totally agree. Uh, Thomas. Yeah, I really like this. Actually, I went three and three quarters on it. Uh, the, the exchange where 
Uh, one team had the syringes through their mouths, and the other team had the skewers through their mouths. I mean, I mean, kind of nasty on the one hand, but on the other hand, I mean, you know, I, I, that's uh, that's something that I enjoy. Um, so I guess I'm the outlier here, but yeah, three and three quarters for me. You're a sick man. You tell that <laughs> I are the young, edgy, almost teenagers, and that Taylor and John are the old people. Of course. You didn't like it either. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> anyway. I'm like, I'm like, I gave it three and three quarters. I just was grossed out by a lot of it. Oh, okay. That's what I went yeah, to, okay. Jack. I, I didn't hear the three and three quarters part. I, I, I didn't. Watch, in and out I didn't. Watch, huh? All right. Match number seven, Daisuke Sakimoto, 20th anniversary match. Uh, Daisuke, also I would add NXT Japan offer match. Daisuke <laughs> Sakimoto and Walter defeating Yuji Okabayashi and Yuji Hino in 1725 with Sekimoto's two-stage German suplex hold over Okabayashi. Uh, look, I would love to come here and be like, yeah, co-opted, I didn't like it at all. It, it was fucking amazing. I don't know what to say. It was a fucking amazing tag team match. Like, just like from the moment the bell rang until the end, they just fucking killed each other. I mean, this is... Exactly the type of match we love Japanese wrestling in the first place. Just four big dudes beating the fucking piss out of each other, chopping the shit out of each other, lighting the shit out of each other. Walter did a leapfrog and the crowd went crazy. Um, at one point he goes crazy with like chops and a drop kick in the corner, and then this fucking enormous German suplex on Okabayashi where he like just fucking tosses him backwards, drops him right on his fucking head. I watched it like three times. Just an absolutely insane fucking tag team sprint war. Like, just they, they, they never stopped. Just went on and on and on. Um, former guest of the show, uh, Skyler, in the, the voice wrestling Discord before, was basically saying, with something I agree with, Walter is a way better tag wrestler than singles wrestler. Um, this is my favorite matches I've ever seen, but all of his other ones, too, that, as far as like the really hyped matches of his that I've watched, I've always preferred you know, tags over singles. So, yeah, this was the full five stars. Absolutely perfection from start to finish. I, I went back and forth, but, like, there was no flaw in this match. I mean, this was, like, a near-perfect match. I mean, it was basically a perfect match. I don't know what the fucking flaw even would be. I mean, they just... They, just, they were going out there to kill each other, and they fucking killed each other. So, so, I don't know. I mean, I just... I loved it from the moment the bell rang until the moment it ended. So... That's that's a five star match. I don't know what else to say. There was <laughs> nothing else. Wrong, there was nothing wrong with it at all. Um, and you know, it, it slides into third place on my match of the year list because uh, I, I had four five star matches this year. So I put it right above Naito Ibushi from Dominion, right below Naito Shingo from the G One and um, Sari and uh, Mako Satomura. So, uh, Thomas, what did you think of this tag team match? I mean, yeah, John, you, you kind of covered all of it. This this fucking rocked. Uh, five stars for me as well. Um, match of the weekend on what was, I mean, quite the up and down show. Um, I was watching this live. Um, I mean, I think this was probably around 3 a.m. local time for me. And I mean, I was I was wired after watching this match. Um, the Daichi match actually made me fall asleep a little later in the show. Um, but after this match, I mean, just absurd. I mean, these guys just... I mean, the chops in this match, I mean, these are four of, honestly, probably four of the top, like, 25 wrestlers in the world today. I mean, just big, beefy dudes slapping the shit out of each other. Um, like John said, I mean, that's why you watch Japanese wrestling. That's how I got into it. Um, five stars. Um, I mean, a match of the year contender, for sure. Uh, I loved it. Uh, Taylor. 
Uh, so, wow, I guess I have to be the downer here. Um, I'll just start by saying I did like it. Uh, I only went four and a quarter. Um, I think uh, Robin Reed was in the Voice of the Wrestling Slack today, and I think described largely probably why I was not as high on it as others in that really there was no story uh, to it. I'm someone who I think I've mentioned on this very podcast before that I always prefer um, my stories in my wrestling, um, which this one didn't have. And I just felt like it was enjoyable to me, but never really got to that level. Maybe it was that I think I, um, I think I had heard from you, John, that you had gone five before. So maybe it was a victim of uh, expectations um, on that one end. But I, I really enjoyed it, but it just didn't rise to that, that top, top level for me. Um, maybe what would help is that uh, when this uh, matches on the WWE Network in six months, maybe the Michael Cole commentary will uh, get, get it to four and a half or maybe four and three quarters. Ah, uh, fuck you, Taylor. <laughs> uh, the first person I want to say that gave this five was Kevin Hare in the building. So shout out to Kevin, who was on last week's episode. But yeah, uh, Jack, what'd you think? Jack, Jack, Jack. Oh, oops, I had my mic muted, and I was in the middle of burying Taylor. Anyways, I <laughs> um, enjoyed this match. Uh, I loved it. I went four and three quarters, so I am a coward. But for me, when I got to give a match five stars, I got to feel it in all of my bones. And I didn't feel it entirely at the end it has to be a snow like instant reaction five stars and i didn't feel there however this was incredible and if you ask me to name a beefier more like manly match i don't think i can name one and really it was incredible and it sucks that walter signed with that stupid show that doesn't even exist it blows <laughs> so hard and seeing the uh, NXT UK belt, which apparently is a real thing, uh, on a Big Japan show, it was a real bummer. That thankfully the match and uh, the match after this one was able to you know, cheer me up a little bit. So, but yeah, Wait, yeah. Like, I mean, if this is like the the beachhead of the invasion, that sucks. But I mean, it was a real good beachhead. What do you want me to tell you? Yeah. Uh, after the match, I mean, Okabayashi pointed at the at the NXT UK belt, and like my heart just like sunk. I was like, "Oh no, it's gonna happen." Fucking <laughs> fucking NXT UK. That doesn't even exist. Okay, it doesn't even exist. Rover, stop it. it doesn't exist. Anyway, I'm not even convinced <laughs> Rover exists. That's true. I mean, maybe that's why I like it so much. It's just one big, one big swirly mass of uh, non-existence. The BJW Junior Heavyweight title survival four-way match. Yuya Yoki defeating Tajiri, uh, Tatsuhiko Yoshino, and Kodo Sekifuda to make his fourth defense. This was whatever. I mean, look, Tajiri goes out early. He gets cradled by Yoshino after he ducked the green mist. Uh, Sekifuda took it right in the face, so that was 354. Then Yoshino eliminated Sekifuda with a cradle when Tajiri stayed on the ramp for some reason and gave him the red mist. And then Aoki gets a dose of blue mist, but manages to kick out of the cradle. I don't know why Kajiri was helping Yoshino. I have no idea what was going on here. Uh, and then Aoki finally puts away Yoshino to retain. Very goofy, just kind of there. Two and a half stars. 
Anyone got some hot junior title takes, or can I keep going? I thought Tajiri was very funny. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Wasn't very good, though. Uh, <laughs> what did you, you say, sorry? It just sucked. I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah. The tax strip death match, Masashi Takeda and Takumi Tsukamoto, the crazy lovers, defeating Masaya Takahashi and Ricky Shane Page in 11:37 after a tax strip zudan by Tsukamoto on Takahashi. Um, you know, this I'm not a death match expert, but this didn't say anything special to me. Just kind of there. Um, I thought the tax strips looked incredibly lame. Uh, it was clear that they were the stand-in for light tubes, and they really didn't do the job to me. I mean, I think the sort of summation of the match was, I don't even remember who, but someone was trying to knock one of the strips into Takeda's head and let go, and the strip just sort of fell sadly to the ground. I think they were trying to do like a helicopter spot with it, uh, and it didn't work, and that sort of was just a great summary of the match of being like, oh, this could be cool. Oh, never mind. Anyone else want to add something about this one? No, kind of just a standard little undercard death match. Yeah, the texture sucked. Strong Hearts defeating Strong BJ. <laughs> Shihiro Irie, T-Hawk, and Elinda Man beat Hideyoshi Kamatani, Takuya Nomura, and Fuminori Abe in 9-16 when Irie used the Beast Bomber on Abe. Uh, this is really fun. It was a nonstop action, especially down the stretch. I thought Irie was really the standout in the Strong Hearts team. I thought it looked great here. Uh, I went three and three quarters. Three and three quarters. Anything to add, Thomas? Yeah, I kind of thought this rocked. I went four stars on it. Um, the astronauts team of uh, Nomura and Abe um, is is just such a fun team to watch. I love both guys, um, but they really shined here, even low on the card. Strong Hearts in Big Japan have been really good. No one's seen it really. Um, it's getting no hype, but their matches from the tag league um, that I've seen have both been really good. Or so, yeah. Shout out to this match. Four stars flat for me. Taylor. I thought T-Hawk and Abe had a really good sequence late in the match. Uh, I liked it a little bit less. I think I went three and a half. Still thought it was a fun undercard match. But um, enjoyed it, but maybe a little bit less than others. Uh, Jack? Yeah, it, was, it was a really good match. I, I'll, I'm always down for some El Lindemann, and Tsukuya Nomura is one of my favorite, another one of my favorite young wrestlers in Japan. Him and Abe are usually great, and this was another, probably the best undercard match. Yeah, yeah it was the best undercard match. Uh, match number three, Big Japan versus All Japan. Jake Lee and Naoya Nomura defeating Ryuchi Kawakami and Kazumi Kikuta with Lee using a backdrop suplex on Kikuta in 11.30. I thought this was good, maybe a little disappointing in that, um, you know, I thought they had a really awesome match when it was Lee and Iwamoto against the same team uh, back at, God, maybe it was uh, the fucking, what the hell's the Yokohama show? And the Survivor, right? In May, that's what that's called. I think that's when that match happened. But uh, yeah, it was a really good match. I thought that was like a four-star plus match. And this was like, you know, it was three and a half. It was pretty fun but nothing that like blew me away or anything. Uh, it did really make me want to see a Jake versus Kawakami singles match because they had a couple really great exchanges and you know, brawl to the back. So hopefully we do get that. Uh, anyone got something to add here? Three and a half stars. Yeah. Taylor, Jack. Nothing to add. Match number two. Uh, 
Abdullah Kobayashi, Hideki Suzuki, Shinobu, Orka Uto, and Drew Parker defeated Great Kojika, The Great Sasuke, Brahmin Shu, Brahmin K, and Kankuro Hoshino in 626 with a Kobayashi diving Bakachinka elbow drop on Hoshino. This fucking sucked. And I usually like the Brahmins. Like, I usually am a Brahmin apologist. I usually find them funny. But they was the, the comedy here was not funny. It was just very boring, very boring comedy. Uh, one star. This was not good. This was very bad. Anyone want to add something here about this terrible match? I hated it. I can't believe I wasted my time on it. It was only six minutes, but it felt like 60. Thank you for, for uh, coming on the Brahmin hate train, John. I mean, that's been your worst take for a while now. <laughs> So. They're usually good. They're usually funny. <laughs> I watched them in a fucking cage match in Michinoku Pro, and they were fucking hilarious. But this was just bad. Daichi is better than the Brahmin. <laughs> yes. I don't know if I can. I don't know if that's true. Uh, <laughs> Taylor, wow, God. Uh, yeah, the Brahmins are. I I guess I don't dislike them, but I think if they uh, if all of a sudden I was moved to an alternate universe where they didn't exist. I don't know that I would be all that sad about it. Um, I mean, I wouldn't either, really. I mean, what the fuck? They're just a comedy act. Um, okay, <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, but I also did not enjoy this match. They're not like my. They're not even like my favorite comedy act. I'm getting, I just want to confront Thomas here. He's acting like I'm president of the Brahmin fan club. <laughs> I enjoy them. But I, I could, you know, I could deal without them anyway. They, they didn't get to do anything here. They weren't, they weren't really like doing any Brahmin comedy. It was just, I don't know what the fuck this was. This was fucking bad. So there you go. Uh, the opener was Ryotohama, Yasufumi, Nakanoe, and Kazuki, Kazuki Hashimoto defeating Takuo Kato, Akira Hyoto, and Yuki Shikawa in 8:53. Nakanoe used a lariat on Kato. This was a fun opener, three and a quarter. Not a lot to say about it. Anyone want to throw something in there? Yeah, it was three and a quarter as well. I think Big Japan's young guys are actually really good. Um, I think Hashimoto's getting the next junior title shot. I think you mentioned that, John, so that'll be good. Uh, yeah, three and a quarter for me as well. Yep, I'd agree with that. Taylor? Same. The dark match, Yuichi Taniguchi and Masaki Mori- Morihiro defeating Kikicharo and... Kosuki Sato in 724 with a Mori Lock on Sato. This fucking sucked. Okay? This is the other thing on the show. Like, Big Japan comedy is usually is very hit or miss. It's sure fucking missed on this show. Uh, like, if you're, like, this made the guy rubbing his crotch and his butt and kicking to his face, like, anyone who complains about Don Shokudino have to watch this match and be like, wow, I never realized what, like, High art Dino is compared to this. This fucking sucked. <laughs> Want to throw anything else in? Yeah, it was bad. Um, I I guess I I have a question yeah. uh, that I was thinking of as I watched this match. Kikutaro feels more like he's famous in America for supposedly being famous in Japan than he is actually <laughs> over in Japan. That is that is true. <laughs> No, he was like he feels like he was he feels like someone who comes over and they're like, This guy is the Japanese comedy legend. And then I watch all these Japanese shows and he's like in the undermatch here. Or so I so I'm just like I feel like going back years ago when I first heard about him, it was like 
this guy, he's an absolute, you know, I would think that from what sort of the buildup that I always heard from him, he would be like a Honda guy where Honda is usually, you know, Honda's a big deal in DDT and Kikutara, I feel like I see him more in the U S than I, I do in I, Japan. I, just, I think, yes, he, of course. I, I think if, if Osaka pro had caught on and stayed as a big thing, he probably would be like Honda. Like, cause he was a big deal in his own promotion. Like they, those clown matches, like him against whatever the fuck the other clown was common or whatever. Kabiko, I, I don't remember what the fuck his name was. Something common. common. Thank you. Um, they, they were a big deal. I mean, I remember like, there was like one on a major Osaka pro show in like fucking Osaka Joe hall or something. That was like a semi main. So like they, you know, they were a big deal in Osaka pro. The problem is his promotion died, <laughs> you know, a terrible death and did not stay around. So I think he is like probably what Antonio Honda would be if DDT had died, <laughs> you know, if DDT had just like if he left him without a home. So yeah, I mean, now I think for sure he's a way bigger deal in America than he is in Japan, but you know, it just comes down to, I think just not having a home promotion and just not having home fans anymore. So I think it's a, uh, you know, and he is what he is now. But I think like, you know, 15 years ago or 10 years ago or whatever, probably more like 15, I think he actually was a pretty big deal in, in Osaka Pro. So that'd be my answer. I don't know. Taylor, do you disagree? No, I don't disagree because frankly, I don't really know anything about Osaka Pro. So whatever you say, I'll believe, John. Okay. Uh, somebody, if somebody's like, I'm not an Osaka Pro expert by any stretch, but I definitely remember him being a big deal like at the time, like on the internet and stuff as a Puro fan, but maybe that's just my, maybe that's again, like you're saying, my uh, weird Western viewpoint. I don't know. I mean, it's fucking guitar. Why are we still talking about this? Uh, Because it's better than talking about the match. Yeah. Thomas, what were your thoughts on this amazing opener, this amazing dark match? Uh, I I was writing the written review for this show, and I was still getting all set up while this match was going on, um, so I didn't really see it. Uh, so sounds like a good thing. Yeah, it sucked. I'm going to explore All right. rated this two and three quarters in your spreadsheet. <laughs> well, uh, like I said, I you was kind of only half watching it. I was wrong. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow, Jeff. Um, spreadsheet <laughs> snooping. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. Okay. Break it up. Break it up. <laughs> um, as far as the show overall... Um, I would say it's easily the weakest of the three shows we talked about here. Um, I mean, I had two awesome matches. I had a five-star match and a four-and-a-quarter-star match and, you know, a bunch of other stuff that was, like, that ranged from being pretty good to being pretty bad, so, you know, to being just there. So, you know, obviously, I would say if you're if you're short on time, you know, definitely watch the main event, watch the NXT Japan offer match, um, you know, maybe throw in the, the Strongheart six-man and the Jake Lee tag because – they're not even that long, but the rest of the show is very skippable, I think. I guess Jack would tell you watch uh watch Daichi and Sato. None none of the other three of us would agree. So look, I'm Please I'm, don't. I'm, real, I'm realistic about my love of Daichi. There's gonna be like two people who listen to this that'll dig it like <laughs> I did, but you know, that's okay. Uh, I'm always uh you know, I'm I'm a big hipster with my fandoms of Daichi Ashimoto, Kenny Omega, and Will Ospreay. So so we can wrap it up here. Jack, Mr. Hepster, go ahead and plug whatever you want to plug. If you want to get updates on the Daichi Defense Squad, 
You can follow me on Twitter at Packerman120. Just kidding, I never tweet. And uh, now that I'm getting back into wrestling more, I think I'm going to write some more stuff for the website, hopefully review some shows. Uh, it definitely won't be the World Tag League, which fucking sucks, but uh, maybe some other stuff. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, but, yeah, Packerman120 on Twitter. Taylor? Uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Tay Mambo, T-A-M-A-I-M-B-O. And, John, I don't want to uh, step on your – uh, upcoming preview, but I will be back yet again next week, uh, three yeah. times in a row, uh, a podcasting superpower. So uh, follow me on Twitter and um, keep up with me at Voices of Wrestling. Thomas. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Wrestling Ratings. Great handle. Um, I reviewed the the DDT show and the Big Japan show on the site, so you can check out the written reviews there. Um, shout out to Virginia basketball. Um, we're up 15 right now against Syracuse. Good open to the year. Uh, that's all I got, John. Um, and of course you can follow us on Twitter at Russell Omakase wrestling didn't fit folks. You can also, uh, him saying that just now reminds me that like I did the written review of power struggle. I never do written reviews. So definitely check that out. If you want to read me, read what I heard, what you already heard me say, I guess, because I pretty much the same shit. Uh, next really week, selling it, John. <laughs> <laughs> next week, we're going to be back here. Omakase 119. As Taylor mentioned, he's going to be on. Also going to be on. He begged me for the opportunity. He got down his hands and knees. He put his hands up to the sky and said, John, please let me plug. I don't, I don't know if they've already revealed what it is. Please let me plug this thing uh, to your gigantic omakase audience your huge audience that for some reason they won't give you a fucking ad everybody else in this fucking network is talking about (laughs) chopping their fucking balls off or whatever but we're not so obviously we have a huge audience but yes next week aaron bentley from everything elite will be on here along with me and taylor we're talking a a real mix of shows here we're gonna talk noah uh the november 2nd uh sumo hall show you may have noticed that was the only sumo hall show we didn't talk about it's because it hasn't fucking aired yet it's going to air on the 10th, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Seedling's November 2nd show, which airs on the 8th on Samurai. We're going to talk about Stardom's November 4th show, which is slowly airing piecemeal like normal. And I guess we're going to talk about fucking AEW Full Gear. So we'll talk about that, too. I'm very excited for to talk about some full fucking gear. Why is it called Full Gear? Who Can anyone answer the knows. question? Isn't, that, Why is it called- isn't it based off uh, what's-his-face's... Um, the gim- a- hangman page Did so he it's a bt a- right it's a beat so so there's no other reason right it's a fucking bte joke well now That's that it. they've started the tv show now that they they have all their full gear <laughs> i don't know <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid it's like the dumb like they are if they're if they are objectively bad about about anything uh, at, at anything other than first of all they're really bad at theme songs second of all fucking names they're really terrible at names like how many times did Tony Khan book a TW fed before he did this finally with his billions of dollars? Couldn't he fucking come up with some better names than full gear? Anyway, that was my uh, Jack would like to speak. Jack, what do you want to say? What do you think about Judas? Good or bad? Ooh. Uh well look, he now he's bad because he got he got caught with the incorrect with Mr. Song. Trump Jr. The song, so, Joe. Only. The song. Oh, the song? Uh, well, look, he is the Judas in my mind, so obviously I didn't know the <laughs> song. Yeah, the song, the song is yeah. good, good. Yeah. 
Anyway, let's wrap this <laughs> fucking show up. Thank you all for coming. <laughs> Jack, what do you want to say? No, I, actually I actually clicked it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, what a way to end the show. All right, uh, folks. We'll see you back next week for all those shows I just mentioned. Uh, thank you as always for listening. See you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.